Welcome to my favorite podcast with Noah Marger. I'm just really excited. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. I just shit my pants. Yeah, I just shit <laughs> my pants. It's fine. Yeah, I just shit and pissed and came at the same time. Oh, you know when you do that, your body takes a screenshot, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Did you know birds aren't real and that pee stored in the balls? <laughs> yeah, well, I eat my hamburgers. I knew I knew all that while I was eating my hamburgers, <laughs> and I can have cheeseburger at the same time. Fuck, that is say t- t- saying that if you piss shit and come at the same time, your body takes a screenshot is the peak 2012 cringe humor. Yeah, baby, I love it's it. Good shit. It's good shit. At the end it's, of the day, is good. all it is. It's funny. Welcome Not- to my favorite podcast. <laughs> this is a podcast about people's favorite things. I'm the host of this fucker, whether you like it or not. Probably not. Noah M. from school. Or Noah M. from work. Probably from <laughs> school, though. Uh, with me, as always, for the last regular episode of this, you know him. His body just took a screenshot. Rocky Pajarito. Rocky, thanks for being here again. Hello. I'm sad. Hello. I'm sad. Well, you're sad. Why are you so sad? I had a lot of fun doing this podcast. I'm, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm also happy because you get to do it two more times. So. You do it two more times. You might be thinking, oh, this is the last, this is the last PTA movie. How are you going to do one more episode? Oh, Shut wait. the fuck up. I just realized, yeah. I mean, like like Blank Check does. If On the next one, you down to do another episode? Oh, I'm down to do another episode, baby. Are you down to, to, to do an episode when he makes his uh, 1930s Los Angeles movie starring Tiffany Haddish? That probably isn't going to happen anymore. <laughs> I was just about to say, maybe not with Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> maybe not so much anymore, but they certainly were having conversations. Uh, but yeah, whatever he does next, I'm down to, to, to chat it up with thing. you again. Is he does Does he have something else in the works or was that it? I believe he'd been working on something, and then there's also the thing he was writing with his kid. I don't know if this is this. I don't know. I, I forget what. The, I, the I really thing, don't know what's. I don't really don't know thing, what's happening next. The thing with the kid I heard was like, I feel like that's one of those things. And again, I could be wrong, but I feel like that's one of those things that like maybe was more of a cute anecdote than it was like, oh, this is for real. And then the press kind of spun it as like, is PTA gonna make a movie with his daughter? You know, They're or something so, like that. They always are looking for something. You know. Um, to to publish, you know, and to kind of like to humiliate from whatever him he with. says. Yeah, exactly. To kind of push his head into the toilet with. But I mean, yeah. Hausu, a great movie, was like kind of written by a child. So I, I'm like, I'm never opposed to the idea of a movie written by a child. <laughs> um, you, you've always saying that too. That's so funny that you're always saying that. Yeah, it's true, and I mean it. Uh, we nice. should probably be giving more. Fo- we should be giving final draft to seven year olds, and uh, and then giving those scripts to film to major filmmakers, and they should make them without changing a fucking word. That would be fun. That is such a good idea. Thank I you. would love to see anyone 
any director make a seven-year-old like written pen script. That would be incredible. It's kind of, um, I think it's kind of Axe Cop, but I never watched Axe Cop. I just thought the novelty was fun more than the actual. What is Axe Cop? I believe it was like a webcomic turned into a TV show and the webcomic was written by a child and drawn by an adult. So it's like, you know, like hyper violent action story written by a child. And I think they turned it into a TV show. It's kind of like shit. My dad says (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of like bleak. My dad says (laughs) it's kind of like ghetto hikes. The Twitter account. Yeah. 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 I like it. I like it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Are you turtly enough for the turtle club? Turtle, turtle. Turtle. I'm feeling I'm feeling a little loopy tonight because I did not get a lot of sleep last night because I did a comedy show. How'd it go? And it, it was really fun. And the kicker, the real kick in the pants of it, is that it was three blocks away from my house. That's beautiful. That's great. So I got to walk there the second it started, and somehow I stayed until one in the morning. And like was trying to leave for like an hour, and then I looked at my, <laughs> looked at my phone. Was like, "Fuck, it's one in the morning." I I know I live three blocks away. I have to go home and I have to sleep so that I can record this stupid ass podcast in the morning. Noah, I gotta tell you, there's no game I hate playing more than trying to leave a social gathering. It's impossible. It's the worst thing in the world for me. <laughs> Some people have completely. Uh, made that an obsolete idea and they just Irish goodbye everyone. I am trying to like will myself into being okay with doing that more often. But sure. there's, I have such a weird, like, I mean, yeah, pe- I'm a people pleaser, I guess, whatever. But like, yeah, don't. I don't know. I, I feel so rough do even doing that. And then by the time, like, when I like decide, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do an Irish goodbye. I'm like walking to my car. And I realize, fuck, I should go say goodbye to these people. And then when I do, it's terrible. And it's not <laughs> worth it. It would have been better if I just disappeared. It It's one of those things where it's the classic example of, like, to us, to the person leaving. It's like, fuck, they're going to know. It's going to suck. Like, I have to say something. And to the person of whom you are saying goodbye to, couldn't give less of a shit. Couldn't yeah. care less that you're saying yeah, goodbye to them. They're like, all right, whatever. <laughs> See ya. Like, you know. Even if they're your friend, it's like, I'm going to talk to you, like, tomorrow, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'm staying at this party. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry that you had to do that, but I'm glad the comedy show went well and that you live so close to the venue. It was so – it was like a house party type show. It was like house party vibes. Mm. It was like Mm -hmm. house party vibes. I'm vibing. I'm vibing with that right now. It was sort of like house party vibes. People were smoking. People were drinking. People were Venmoing other people. They were doing uh-huh. a Venmo. It was a Venmo party, actually, is what it was. <laughs> oh, one of those classic Venmo parties. Got it. Yeah, everyone was sending a dollar around. And whoever, at the end of the night, uh, gets the dollar. It was pretty funny. Wow, that's a fun little... That's a fun game. That's really it fun. It was so fucking funny. And I when I then they said, hey, this is the premise of the party, I said, now just do that on stage. <laughs> just Let's just do that on stage for 60 minutes. That oh is my God. fun That is a TikTok right there. That's content. That's content, bitch. Um, the other thing that I wanted to run by you before we get into this episode is, um, I don't. You can see you can see what shirt I'm wearing right now. The listeners just have to be here to be described. Uh, well, how would you describe the shirt I'm wearing, Rocky? Uh, it looks like a black shirt with a bunch of pineapples on it. Correct. Black shirt, maybe dark blue uh, shirt. Okay, that's, that's, I can see that. Okay, with a bunch of pineapples on it, and. 
I learned recently that a pineapple is the dog whistle for you are a swinger. Oh. It's the symbol to indicate that you are into swinging. Oh. And I didn't know that until uh, maybe two weeks ago, and I haven't worn you, that shirt since. Were you propositioned on a, like on accident? No, I don't remember what it was. Maybe I was listening to a podcast or something, but I really, like when I heard that, I was like, fuck, I own a pineapple shirt that is like exclusively pineapples. Yeah, I mean, I... That sucks. Well, I mean, whatever. Swingers are fine or whatever. But I, I, I like pineapples as design, and I'd like to wear my cool pineapple shirts without being having to worry about that. But and th- so this is what I'm worried about is uh-huh. I'm going to a concert tonight. Aha. Uh-huh. Do I wear this pineapple shirt to the? Con- I feel like I have cursed knowledge of this now, and I. Even if nothing were to happen, I would be almost worried about it the whole night. Well, all right, hold on. We we gotta think about the scenario that like the worst case scenario. Sure. Basically, sure. you just got you just gotta say, "Oh no, I just like pineapples." Like, isn't that two, kind of two it? strangers? Yeah, you know, hundred percent. That is it. Well, only if they're like, "Hey, you want to come to our key party or whatever?" <laughs> you, me and my me and my partner saw you from across the Alex G concert and liked your vibe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. Have fun at the Alex G concert, actually. Jeez. And I'll say that's interesting. I actually don't like your vibe at all, <laughs> so I think I'm good. But I appreciate it. But yeah. If you're at an Alex, yeah, they're just going to be sensitive douchebags. It's whatever. It's like... <laughs> That's true. 100%. But they're going to be sensitive like... douchebags. They're going to pull a gun on me for not wanting to go to the swinger party. It's not like you're at a, like, ween show or something. Oh, he's wearing the Quebec shirt. I'm wearing my Quebec by ween shirt. It's true. It's true. If they, I very rarely buy, like, tour merch when I go to concerts. But yeah. The new album by Alex G that came out recently is excellent. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And the album cover is awesome too. It's like a like watercolor pastel palette of like animals. And it's called God Save the Animals. Let's see. So I might pop, I might cop a shirt tonight. We'll see. I'm happy to hear that. I hope you have fun. I'm happy oh. to hear that you love Alex G. I'm happy to see you there, Donald Trump. Damn. Well, the the problem here is that one, you're right, it's a good album cover, but I'm also seeing this DSU album for the first time, and I think that's oh, that, an even cooler album cover. DSU's the the football player, right? Yeah, yeah. Are you like, an Alex G guy at all? Like at, when, on any what, level? When Rocket came out, I was like, I think I get it, and then I just kind of didn't indulge. Sure. Because I will say also that is when I discovered Jeff Rosenstock, or like decided to get sure. into him. So that one kind of took up a lot of my brain power, heart, and of your time. M- yeah, mental fortitude to be like, yeah. I gotta listen to Twinkle tonight. But I'm well, like I have the DNA to be an Alex G person, 100 percent for sure. I mean, like I'm just into that kind of music, and I like what I've heard. But I also kind of can't really describe anything that I've heard. It's just like jangly guitar and some like progressive indie pop kind of, as far as I can tell. I would, I would encourage you to listen to this new album because it is i think a very interesting step for him Mm -hmm. and i think you also might fuck with uh house of sugar i think okay it's a little less it's more polished more produced it's not just 
bedroom pop guy playing like little guitar shitty little thinky little thing it's got like some serious production behind it gotcha. uh, at least the i think it's called house of sugar i can't yeah yeah, yeah. it is no and then this newest album i think you would fuck with a lot there's a song on this newest album called runner that i've it could very well be my top track of the year all to be right with you. well very cool i'm happy for alex g and his next step into to hear reggae music what's well, that reggae music reggae well, steel steel drum island man if i can do that is that is that still allowed am i still allowed to do that on mic or no he, he goes on jimmy fallon it's like how you doing man it's like i'm feeling very iry thank you <laughs> oh did you not hear jimmy the iry took over <laughs> i'm sorry jimmy did you not hear oh you're being a little rude boy jimmy <laughs> Just like the most sensitive white guy character. That's that's my impression of Alex G. But also, I bet I'm wrong, and I'd like to be wrong. So I'm excited to check out his music. There is a guy who sometimes I see at open mics who's a very nice man. He is from the Caribbean. I don't remember where in the Caribbean. But I was at an open mic one time where he didn't do any jokes. And for five minutes, he just <laughs> he just talked about... Books that he's read that have ghosts in them. Oh, man, that sounds great. <laughs> and at first I was like, what is happening? And by the end, I was like in the aisles laughing. Like it was so fucking funny that he did that. It's really funny. Uh, whether whether he meant it or not, it yeah. was awesome to me. Yeah, I think that's a really fun bit regardless of intent. <laughs> it is. Um, I'm going to blow my nose real quick. So I'm going to blow my load real quick. So just 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 warning you that it's gonna get loud. Hey, we might get loud. The document it might get loud. The documentary. Hank. <laughs> All right, that was fucking that was that was fucking tight. Um, thanks, man. All right, I'm ready to what, do this. Okay, let's introduce. Uh, shh, 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 shh. Let's introduce the sound alerts real quick. Are you the ready? The fuck are you talking about? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> technically this is our halloween episode technically okay okay i and wish so, i had access to this soundboard so i can use it at my own whim but i'd also be really annoying probably <laughs> you are not to be trusted with a soundboard it's true. It's true. Show. i'd be so like there's... brent weinbach or dj doug pound i was just you're gonna about to dj doug pound my ass if that if we opened that pandora's box it's true um so this is our technically our halloween episode so all three of the drops are halloween themed or spooky scary themed in some way so of course we got toccata and fugue in d minor by johann sebastian bach and you rocky might recognize this next one if you listen carefully he did the monster fuck yeah yeah i know that one yeah, you know that one. Yeah. And then, of course, last but not least. You got a bathroom in this place? In the back. What is... Is that... It sounds like Matt Gorley. It's Spongebob. Oh, my God. It's the parody. It's when they're like... I don't remember why they're in the Krusty Krab, but everyone's yelling in the Krusty Krab, and then the guy with the hook hand like slashes the window and goes... You got a bathroom in this place? Right. Yeah. Good episode. Good episode. Graveyard shift, I believe is what it's called. And they're scared of the hashling slasher. Um, I, I that's a different episode, I think. I think this is the one where they go, What if we push Bikini Bottom somewhere else? Ladies and gentlemen. Oh yeah, no, that's the Jaws parody. It's the Alaskan Bullworm. Yes. 
It is yeah. a yep, Alaskan bullworm. I get it. So he's like the guy scratching the chalkboard and gets the everyone's attention, but he actually just has to go to the bathroom instead of saying he's going to kill the worm. Yeah, he has to go take a screenshot with his body in the bathroom. Got it. Can you play the uh, fugue in, in D minor or whatever again? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. That's a funny sound. <laughs> are you doing that guy? Are you doing the guy from Hey Arnold, the Eugene, the guy, the nerdy guy? I was actually trying to do butthead, but I kept fucked up, I guess. No, I was just, I loved it either way. I thank you. Yeah, uh, Brainy, or whatever his name is from Hey Arnold. Great character. Oh, yeah, Eugene was the klutz. Eugene, Eugene was the guy the who got, got stuck in the cherry picker. <laughs> Who's had some, yeah, he's had some, some really some sad tragedy. episodes. Yeah. <laughs> he's had some tragedy befall his life. It's true. It's so true. That whole that whole show actually there's a, there is an undercurrent of sadness in that show yeah, which makes miserable, it really really good. Melancholic characters with weird stations in life and also no one's happy no matter where they are. <laughs> Damn. Okay. What? You're that's right. The, that's just, hey Arnold. Come on. That is, that is hey Arnold. But it's like they have they have they have so they are, their lives are still beautiful regardless. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it is kind of I would say hey Arnold is demi-esque if you will. <laughs> Susie, make me a sandwich, Susie. <laughs> I knew a kid in high school who was just like him. That motherfucker is hilarious. Oscar Kakashka. Os- yeah, the just the the bum, the guy who cannot pay his rent, can't pay his girlfriend. Why is she still with him? I don't Dude, know. That it, well, here's the real the real truth of it is Helga's parents are like oh, nasty yeah. individuals, and I did not realize that until like truly adulthood you know like i didn't realize how fucked up that whole situation is yeah that therapy episode is uh it's something else it's something else and then there's the short guy who's a demolition expert which i now i think is really even more funny than it when i was a kid that guy's great yeah and stinky Stinky. Mr. Nguyen. dude the episode where he's a country singer mr Nguyen, when he's a country singer is so awesome yeah it's so true i like it i like it a lot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Scotty Scott, Scotty Shush <laughs> Shush <laughs> Double indemnity Shush Speaking of 100% recycled Coke bottle No cause he says Diet Coke Doesn't he doesn't, I don't doesn't, remember Doesn't I'm Dr. Sorry. Evil Ask for like Diet Coke a lot We're thinking of something else I Gotta be. I'm gonna be honest with you. I have no idea. I watched all of them Dr. like two years ago. Evil Diet Coke. Doctor Evil Diet. Oh, Coke. you're the Diet Coke of evil. Not evil enough. Who just says one, that? Is that Doctor Evil says that you're the Diet Coke of evil? Just one calorie. Not evil enough. Who does he say that to? To Scotty? To Scott Evil? While they're on Jerry Springer or something? I think. Is that in Goldmember? Probably. That was the spy who shagged me. Fuck. According to the thing I just looked up. So. All right, so we're talking about licorice pizza today. <laughs> Which was not a very controversial film upon its release. Everyone had a very uh, stable reaction to it. So yeah. there's probably not a lot to get into. It's probably going to be kind of a boring episode. No one, no one had it. No one had ideas about this. No one had any ideas about this movie upon its release. But Rocky. 
Where what was going on in your uh your beautiful life when this movie came out in 2021? I was pretty much living my dumb stupid ass life the way I am right now. Yep. When, you know, I'm doing everything now show, I'm trying to make a movie, I'm hanging out with my girlfriend or dog watching movies and TV and stuff. Celebrity Jeopardy probably with Reggie Watts. Enjoying Celebrity Jeopardy and eating, you know, fun food and just hanging out and just trying to stay alive, wear masks when we're in indoor locations as much as possible, that kind of thing, yep. hang out outside as much as possible. Probably saw Old and I've been thinking about that for a while because this was what, like, this is like November 2021 when I saw this, I think. Actually, I have my, have my letter boxed up now, actually. Yeah, oh. November 18, 2021. So old came out like five or six months ago or something like that. And I had a great time. And you're doing still that. thinking about old at that point. And I, 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 yes, I'm still thinking about old right now. So, Damn. you know, why don't you fuck off? No, <laughs> why, don't, why don't you fuck off? Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Um, so <laughs> you're I, welcome. You're I was, welcome. I was chilling Sorry. out one day. Just the other some, day. Shooting some b-ball outside the school. Yeah. Well, a couple of guys. One of them was Kel Kripe. Oh, let's go. And Kel Kripe reached out to me and was like, I have tickets to one of the premieres of Licorice Pizza at the Westwood Theater. Is it the Regency? Regency Westwood Village, I believe. The Regency Westwood Village. Um, They were like, you know, uh, I feel like you would appreciate this more than most people. So they were very kind and uh, gave me two tickets. And Oh, uh, they gave you both of the tickets. They had their own, I think. I think they had like, extras oh, or something. Because I got okay. there and I saw Kel and some other friends of theirs. Classic. Um, classic Kel. Um, so around, the, yeah, so my I was supposed to go. I was going to go with Jackie, but I think she couldn't go for some reason. Or she was just kind of like, I feel like Alex, my writing partner, would probably appreciate this more. So she just opted to give the other ticket to him instead. Well, she she kicked your ass. Yeah. Well, first of all, she beat me up and then said, you know what? On yeah. second thought, I think you should give this to someone else. Then she threw the tickets on my body that was sprawled out on the ground. And then she spit and, on you. And spit on me. Mouth. And then like ran over my ankle with her chair and broke it, snapped it, blood yeah. everywhere. Yeah. For real. And I like that, and I consent to that kind of action. That's just how we get freaky. Um, That's awesome. So yeah, and then I went to go see this uh, with my writing partner at the Regency Westwood, and, uh, and 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 the rest is history. The rest is uh, herstory, I would say. Oh, sorry. Pardon me. Sorry. Thank you. You're so welcome, Rocky. I actually, believe it or not, had a similar experience to you, albeit before you. Oh no, bullshit. And albeit. Albeit a little crazier in some ways. Whatever. And I'll get into how. No, okay. no, no, it was, it's true. In some ways it was crazier than actually. So here's what happens. I moved back to L.A. in August of 2021. I live in Highland Park for two months and then say, I need to not live here anymore. Uh, and then I move again, which is the third time I had moved in 14 months. So sucked That's, for that me. Sounds like, it sounds like ass. Sucked for me big time. 
Uh, and then I moved to a different neighborhood in October of 2022, or excuse me, 2021. And I was like, hey, what the hell am I going to do next? And then in early November, I find out that my friend, Jack Campisi, saw Licorice Pizza before everybody else. And I said, hey, my little boy, how did you do that? This was some and golden he said, ticket ass shit that was going on amongst the film community when this happened. I'm just realizing it was. now. It's so silly. It was a little bit of like, okay, I'll tell you, but you can't tell anyone else. And then yeah. that pattern repeating to infinity. Yeah, pretty much. So what happens is, is Jack says there's this website through United Artists, which is a subsidiary of MGM, which is the major produ- uh, like production company or major studio that was financing this uh, fucker. Yep. Uh, and basically you had to go to this website. You could RSVP for free if you were DGA, SAG, or PGA, I think. Those were the three big ones. They were free to those members. Right. And he just straight up lied. <laughs> he just straight up yes. said that he was PGA probably or something like that. And he said, just do it. They don't look. They don't ask. Just <laughs> fucking do it. And I was it's like, oh, true. shit. It, well, and then I did it. I signed up. I said I was Producers Guild. I literally asked Mason and at the time we were having Sonny Dion Jr. on the show. I literally said to them, well, I know we're supposed to record tomorrow, but I have a chance to see Licorice Pizza like before everybody else basically I need to do this. And they were like, yeah, go do that. So I drove my ass. I also just got AMC A-list around that time for the first nice, time. Nice. And I um, went to go see what I think was my first A-list film, which was One Night in Soho, which, you know. What, wait, you mean Last Night in Soho? Oh, Last Night in Soho. Yes, Last right, Night in Soho. Right, right, the right, Edgar right. Wright film that came out last year, which I think wasn't even his best movie that came out last year. I actually am not a huge fan of Last Night in Soho as 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 it were as it goes, but his Sparks documentary is fantastic if you haven't seen that. I have not seen that. I actually I do feel weird because I was such an Edgar Wright zealot for such a long time and then I saw neither of the movies. But I believe that I believe that the Sparks Brothers documentary is probably slightly better than Last Night in Soho from what I've heard. So I would say it's like a full step up better than Good for Last him. Night in Soho, personally. Good for him. Um, and I like Edgar Wright as well. Um, and I liked the Sparks documentary quite a bit more. But I remember I went to the AMC Sunset 5, watched Last Night in Soho, said, mmm, mmm, <laughs> and then drove to ah. Westwood, uh-huh. oh, and then did the Peter Griffin fall. And yeah. actually, what, ah. what, I said, what I said out loud was, Need to screw. He did the fuck. He did the monster fuck. That's what I actually right. said out loud. All right, I believe that. Um, yeah, you believe that because it's true. Why would I lie? Uh, and then I was so scared that they weren't going to let me in. They were going to find me out that they were going to find out that I was lying <laughs> because I checked my email on the way to the screening and they said, please have your ID, your uh-huh. confirmation, and your guild credentials fuck. on you. And I literally screenshotted it in a frenzy, sent it to Jack, and said, "What the fucking fuck is this? Why did you tell me, you about motherfucker? This? Fuck, fuck, fuck!" And I was yeah. just like, "Why is this happening?" He's like, "They literally didn't ask for that when I went to the screening. Like, I'm sorry if you get like turned away. Like, that was not my experience." And I was like, "Fuck." Okay, fine. 
So I parked in the parking structure at Broxton, walked my ass over, legs shaking, dick quivering the whole time. And they were like, oh, yeah, no, Marjorie, yeah, absolutely, go right, go right ahead in. And I was like, um. yes, and I felt so good. And it was such a high of watching this movie early. My favorite filmmaker, I get to see his movie basically before everybody else on the planet. And I had some thoughts about it, and I was like, I need to see this again before I solidify my thoughts. But Rocky, that was the night that I met Tim Robinson as well. And that Damn. was, it was literally like, can this night get any better? I get to see Paul Thomas Anderson's newest film after co- like after lockdown era COVID, like, mm-hmm. like before everyone else. And Tim Robinson is there, and I interjected myself into his conversation and said, I literally oh, don't want to bother you. I just wanted to say, I think you should leave as the funniest show of all time. And you're amazing. And he just said, Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And then I walked away with my tail between my legs and I was like, fuck man, this is the perfect night for me. Yeah. That's a real uh, W for Noah Marger. It was huge. And then I was like, all right, I'll watch this again when it comes out in theaters, like in, in wide release or whatever. But I was hanging out with my buddy Christian and he said, hey, do you want to go back to the Regency Westwood and see Licorice Pizza again? And I said, I actually do, but I feel like they're going to find us out again. Like, I feel like <laughs> we're going to get caught. And he said, actually, we're fine because you can bring a guest. And I photoshopped a SAG card for myself. Good for him. So, so I'll get in fine and you can be my plus one. And I said, oh, great. I feel extremely confident about this. So we went back, and the sort of charm of seeing it early had sort of worn off, and I was very interested to see if it had actually held up or not. Mm -hmm. And Rocky, it was a beautiful moment of what I thought the first time actually did hold up the second time for the most part, and that is this. I think PTA and crew had a really fun time making this movie, and I don't have that much fun watching it. <laughs> and that's where it really comes down to at the end of the day is I am kind of watching them have a good time and I don't feel like I'm necessarily a part of the fun as much as other people love this movie. People think that this is a great movie, right. especially on the letterboxed community. And I don't fully, it doesn't fully hit for me. Mm-hmm. Really. Interesting. 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 Yeah. Uh, Should I chime in with how I feel about it? I think you should chime in. So watching it for this podcast will be the third time that I've seen this movie. Same for me. First time since 2021, December. I think it was the second time I saw it. And the first time I saw it, I gave it a four. And I was, I, I, you know, I liked parts of it a lot. But I was, there was something that was kind of like, you know. Is the PTA thing you see his, his movies for the first time and you're like, I'd like to rewatch this again and kind of get a clearer sense of it the next time. Yeah. Second time, I liked it a little less and I kind of left it on that. I was feeling pretty mid on it. Uh, so I just kind of, I don't know. It, it was so weird because everyone was acting like they just saw like there'll be blood or something like that. Like yeah. it, was, it felt like kind of this weird unanimous you know, masterpiece status. But that was also, you know, the Willy Wonka of it all, I guess. The, the, the ability to see this movie early and just be like, oh my God, this is so great. It's so amazing. He's back, baby. Yes. He's still doing his thing. Totally. And then with the mainstream release, you know, out of the woodwork, you get a lot of these weird, I don't know how you even describe it. I was going to say conservative, but it's like not. It is just this weird mm-hmm. example of this thing that's happening in discourse with Gen Z 
sorry to cuspers out there and to Gen oh. Z out there of like, you know, this kind of like sex scenes are unnecessary kind of thing. I feel like it's rooted in the exact same thing as people saying sex scenes are unnecessary, which then leads to this movie having these weird controversies of people saying like, you know, it's pedophilic, it's racist, and so many more things. And it just kind of got under the gun so easily. I feel like it just kind of became this uh, this immediate scapegoat of all these weird conversation pieces that I don't really give a shit about. I feel like we shouldn't all be talking about too much or even worried about, especially with this movie. Um... It's also funny because at the time Red Rock Red Rocket came out. The Sean Baker film Red Rocket came out. Yes. Where he has uh, he has sex with an underage girl in the in the movie, yeah. you know? Like not like not yeah, yes. 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 People he does. just yeah, the wrong audience for the wrong movie, so on and so forth, etc. It just became really hard and really annoying talking about licorice pizza at the time, I'd say. So, totally. and I just didn't want to see anything about it, whether it's people really loving it. Cause I was like, I don't agree with that. I think it's kind of, you know, like a whatever movie. And then people saying like, it's actually the worst movie ever made. I'm like, yeah, well it's, you're like saying it for like the wrong reasons or like for stuff that is like such bullshit. So sure. I just kind of gave up on this movie for a while. And I was, you know, when we decided to do this, I was like, this would be a really good opportunity to see how this movie actually holds up. And I'm very delighted to say that I actually think this is one of PTA's best movies. And oh, I think really? That he's at the peak of his. No, it's actually pretty mid. I think it's a three star. Dude, you got me again. I actually thought that you fucked, dude. I thought that you came around on it. I should have but... roped. I should have fucking stretched that out <laughs> like a fucking pizza dough. But no, I'm, I I had to immediately cave. Yeah, no, I'd say this. I don't know. I'm. I think you have an amazing assessment of it. It does feel like PTA and crew had a fantastic time making this movie. It does feel like getting to go to camp after a long time again or something. A lot of new friends, a lot of old friends, everyone hanging out, being silly, having fun. The idea of this scene is really funny. Play with it. That was a funny line read. That was a funny take on that. Let's just keep going. That kind of thing. And PTA is making things look as beautiful as possible, as always. He's an amazing artist crew of artists creating 1973 Encino, California and yes. doing an amazing job of it. Like it looks, it looks amazing. And I'd also say that I think the characters he sets up here and the situations even, I think are all really exciting and fun and wonderful. It creates this really Absolutely. weird, vaguely cartoony view of the Valley in the seventies of, you know, like, it's not like fucking like Robert Downey Sr. or anything like that, but there's like a, you know, a lighthearted silliness to everything that's going on with all the celebrities and all the movie history and these kids running around, these like child actors with nothing to do, creating businesses and stuff. And also you get the Heim family and you the have the whole Heim family, the whole Heim family. And you also get, you know, Cooper Hoffman and, um, Give me a second. I'm not even going to. I'm going to do this right. Uh, He's doing it right. He's doing it right, folks. I owe it to her because I think she's a wonderful actress and I like watching her. Mary Elizabeth Ellis. uh, As Cooper Philadelphia. Yes. As uh, Cooper Hoffman's uh, mother. And his little brother, who's like another wonderful spark of PTA casting children. Like all the kids in this movie are so funny and 
charming and the friend like, gr- the friend group feels like a friend group for sure. Yeah, PT is great at like mini ensembles within like within his his movies. Like I love sure. the the staff of the House of Woodcock. I love Louise Guzman and all of his cronies and Punch Drunk Love and I the love, brothers and the brothers and the sisters. Like he's really good at like like tiny units of people, and I think that's really fun. So yeah, all these pieces like even on paper like I, this movie sounds like a nice wonderful romp. I. Yeah, I'm 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 with you though. Like you know, in yeah. execution and in like just how he's like laid it all out, it I do feel a little underwhelmed and also like he should have just picked a lane. Whether he's agreed one making a complete goof goof sketch of a movie with friends and just kind of like these are some fun ideas. These are some funny anecdotes I heard about from my friend Gary. Whatever Gary his Getzman. name is, Gary Getzman, uh, former producer of uh, Jonathan Demi's. That's how they, you know, bridge and connect and stuff like that. Loves all these anecdotes and stories. Wants to recreate them. Create a funny little version of the Valley in the seventies and make it like a, a comedic lark or whatever. Right. Um, versus making, you know, I don't know. It's so stupid because it's like he doesn't owe us PTA movies necessarily. You he doesn't know? owe like, us jack shit. Exactly. He doesn't owe us anything. Yeah, which I want to like make clear on this podcast. It's not like I feel like I've been wronged or whatever. You know, I don't want to <laughs> be like a guy who like grew up with the, the three Star Wars movies originally and then sees Phantom uh, Menace and is like, I my childhood is ruined. And then sees Phantom Menace. I'm gonna Phantom kill Thread. myself. I'm gonna kill myself. Sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> I said he goes up with the three Star Wars, the original Star Wars films, and then goes sees Phantom Thread. <laughs> Where are the lightsabers. Where what is Jar Jar? Yeah, he, he likes Darth he Maul. likes Phantom Menace. He's just <laughs> so mad he's not in the right theater. <laughs> he's like, what the fuck is this? Why am I 2017 for God's <laughs> sakes? But fuck. I, yeah, I don't know. I got something to say. I mean, like we can talk about like what licorice pizza means and how I think that is kind of like a wink and a nod to the audience from PTA that this is just kind of a fun one for me or whatever, as opposed sure. to like a towering historical character epic or whatever, you know, again, not that sure. he has to make those all the time. Like, I think it's actually in hindsight, probably like, like with Magnolia, like good. I'm glad he got to do what he wanted to do because he clearly makes things in an unfiltered, unbridled fashion. And that's special. Yes. You don't get that a lot. He jumps around no. from studio to studio and he gets to create his own vision because people are just like, you know what? We want a chance at working with you and collaborating with you and letting you do your thing. Absolutely. And he gets to do his thing. This one just happens to feel a little bit like a write off to me. And that's fucking yes. fine, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I'm that's that's where us uh, where I'm at with it as well. I'm 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 watching this for the third time. I know the moments that hit for me, mm-hmm. and there are some moments that hit for me. Yeah, I, I agree. love everything with Bradley Cooper in this movie. That is so fun for me. He's I I love Bradley Cooper. I feel like this kind of solidified him in a, like he, he has such a weird movie star career, but I think that he is so unbelievably capable beyond even the movies he gets to make. And it's always exciting getting to watch him. And I feel like he's underrated whenever he's featured as a cast member in like major movies or whatever. Cause he does like Clint Eastwood movies and he did, I don't know. That's true. He's in American Sniper. He is literally Chris Kyle. He's Chris That's Kyle. Crazy. And he's in The Mule and stuff like that. And he's also in the David O. Russell movies in this like really mediocre era that he's in. But of every movie that David O. Russell has made since like Silver Linings Playbook, Bradley Cooper's been the best part of them because he's For like, sure. I think he's such a good, dedicated actor. And he like understands what makes things interesting, funny, scary, sad, so on and so forth. 
Um, and he did you see the Nightmare Alley remake? I actually did not see Nightmare Alley, but I it's entirely up my alley. I would have like completely watched that if I got my shit together. I don't know why I didn't. It's up your Nightmare Alley. Ha ha. Um, ha ha. Just a joke for just a quick joke for the uh, audience. We're just um, goofing. We're just goofing. That's going to be the last joke for the, probably the whole podcast. <laughs> um, I wasn't a big fan of the movie overall. Again, I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper to me. I couldn't tell if he was miscast in that film, uh, but if even if he was, it wasn't his fault. He's still doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if he was the right person for that role. But then at the same time, it's interesting because that character is so deceptive and so charismatic. It's like a con man kind of thing, right? He's a, a con bit. man, and yet you still have you still feel for him. Right in the end, you still feel for him, even though he was like a little bit of a charlatan and a little bit of a shady character. He's a, he's a powerhouse. He is yeah. a brilliant actor. Um, I thought a star is born was very good. Yeah. You know, like I think yeah. he did a very good job with that. And yeah, anything where regarding him in this film is great. And he really gets to go off the leash during it's, parts of this film. I, you know what, when this movie was coming out and people are taking pictures of it, Barbie style, like the current version of that is Barbie. Greta Gerwig's oh, Barbie yes. getting like pictures from set being taken and stuff. I can't tell you how excited I was to see not only Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman together in a fucking like cube truck and just being like, what the, what kind of hijinks are they getting up to now? But yes. seeing Bradley Cooper as John Peters like was so exciting and silly because John Peters is such a funny legendary figure, and I'd say that in this instance. I feel like I brought him up a couple, like, a couple times in the first couple episodes of this miniseries. But it's funny. I'm getting to bring him back around here. I think Kevin Smith did this better than P- Paul Thomas Anderson did. <laughs> oh, my God. I love I love where this is going. No, go. But I, I kind of understand what you're saying already. But go for it. Because I only know about John Peters, and so many people really know about John Peters, because of Kevin Smith's story about pitching a new Superman movie to him. Yes. And it's like 20 minutes. It's on YouTube in two parts for some reason. Uh, he just tells a story about going to meet John Peters several times and just the insane person that he's like, he is like yeah. the, all this shit in the movie in Licorice Pizza. That's about like, I didn't see it at first, but like he would hear from the streets <laughs> like that shit's real. Apparently, <laughs> like he would tell Kevin Smith, yeah. like, you know what? You get Superman. And you know why I think you get Superman? Because we both get Superman. You know why we get Superman? because we're from the streets. <laughs> so the this, mean streets. Yeah, exactly. So this fucking kooky banana guy is just so who, such such a real figure. It's so who funny was, to me. Who was more really known for, at the time, I would guess, for being Barbara Streisand's boyfriend more than anything. At yeah, the time, at boyfriend least. and former uh, hairdresser and then turned movie producer. I'm pretty sure... Yeah. He was the one who was like holding up some weird rights thing with A Star Is Born, which might have caused oh, that's int- Bradley that's Cooper some so guff, interesting. Which is yep, then funny that good. he gets to portray him in hindsight. I didn't even think about that until now. That's but, such a good point. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the John Peter section of this movie is, by and large, very very funny. I yes, have a I guess I don't know whatever hot takes. It's I have a take. I think they should have cut the Barbara Streisand sands Barbara Streisand bit. From the movie. It was in the trailers. It was 
kind of funny when it came out in the trailers and then watching it in the movie that entire sequence until they get back in the truck i was just kind of waiting for it to be <laughs> to move on even sure. though i even though i do like watching bradley cooper embody this character because he is rambling to himself he is just uttering out violent statements like under his breath like it's very funny but i don't know that entire like that whole like section in the john peter's house slows down so intensely and like i I, it just it kind of loses me a little bit but this movie also has a very strange structure that i think is very interesting and not inherently flawed but uh i I don't know again maybe it's just like the context and the way that these uh these moments in the movie are are played and laid out that just aren't for me but that's that's an interesting way to phrase it because i do think that the movie's for me the biggest the weakest part of this film is the fact that it's it's just fucking you don't I don't see the 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 light at the end of the tunnel really watching this film yes. for a lot of it, you yeah. know? Like I'm like, what is all of this about? Yeah. What's all of this about really? And of course you can say, well, it's about the relationship between Cooper Hoffman and Alana Heim. Sure. Which is true. It, that is true. But I don't care. <laughs> for a lot of the film cut, because yeah, they're, they're they're doing the will they won't they thing in a way that's almost like too too slight you know like it's I like fully agree yeah the relationships I, like oh they're business partners but they're also into each other at the same time she's 25 he's 15 and i'm going to say i'm going to say my piece about that right now and then i don't really i personally don't want to talk about it sure. very much anymore Here's what I'll say, and I'm going to use this anecdote to kind of describe my thoughts on this. I was at Cheesecake Factory with my <laughs> friends, with my two with my two female friends, <laughs> and I one of the female friends had seen Licorice Pizza. The other one, I think at the time hadn't. I think she recently did, but I had seen it at the time, and one of my female friends had seen it at the time, and I started going off about how can people be so stupid about this age gap thing like this is not a big deal like blah 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 and then i saw in her face that she felt differently about it than i did oh man and i realized oh i shouldn't have popped off in the way that i did like i should have said like oh well why do you think this and all that and she more or less said you know she more or less said without being you know argumentative argumentative or you know volatile about it she more or less said if that was me i could never do that if i was alana heim's character i could never give myself that opportunity you know with that age gap basically and i said that's interesting i have never thought about it like that before so here's what i will say Men and women be different. (laughs) Men and women be different. Because when I watch the movie, I see it as Cooper Hoffman has a crush on an older woman. And he wants to be with that older woman, even if it is a quote-unquote pipe dream to be in with that woman. Sure. He acts like a 25-year-old. He's 15. She acts like a 15-year-old. She's 25. 25. But my female friend, when she told me that, I kind of understood the other side of it because I don't have that experience and I don't have that perspective as a guy. I don't, you know? 
Yeah. And so when she said that, I kind of I kind of understood where all that was coming from. Do I think people acted insane about it online at the time? Absolutely. Do I think pe- do I think people love to get upset for the only reason of wanting to call attention to themselves? Absolutely. But I do understand why at its core it was upsetting to people actually. Now. Yeah, you know, I don't want to denigrate or, you know, dis uh another big word. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to um, tell invalidate. anyone invalidate anyone's experience or anything like that. And in fact, one of the most interesting and best reviews of this movie on Letterboxd is by Lauren Wilford, and it is about how people all can find a universal. I don't know, like how you could find a universal in to this movie's central relationship. I think, or even like its hijinks in general, and the mental space that Alana, the character, is in. Which is this weird, like, crossroads of being, of growing up, looking into adulthood and seeing how fraudulent and scary it is. And, like, kind of, like, wishing to recede back into being a child and stuff like that. And the weird things that you do or convince yourself of when you're that age. Or, you know, whether you're 15 or 25 and stuff like that. I recommend reading Lauren Wilford's review. I think a lot of people have, have at length, spoken and written about their experiences and even like how this movie reminds them of some very traumatic uh, stuff and maybe how they, they view it as problematic. Like that's completely valid and everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, I, you know, it's yeah. Cause it's like, it's, it's 73 when this movie takes place. Right. I believe. Yep. I believe it is because it's the oil crisis thing too happening. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. The oil crisis happening. There's an embargo on oil. Um, which then leads to um, a shortage. Basically, of, gas shortages. Pretty much, gas shortages. Um, anything that's made of, oil, yeah, like including the, the vinyl characters. is made of oil. Stupid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and to and to me, I'm like, I am stupid. Damn. Um, I'm a fucking dumbass piece of shit. I can't believe I'm such a fucking idiot. But and this is not like the end all be all defense of this movie or whatever. But it's the '70s, and I feel like. So sure. much, so much more shit like this, and so much more relationships like this happen, you know. Yeah. Um, and and all- movies, movies do not have a responsibility to show you the morally correct thing. Yes, yes. This is where we get into the weird, like, uh, you know, um, what is the responsibility of the art and the artist? Kind sure. Of conversation. Yeah, it's like endorsement doesn't necessarily come from depiction, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, uh, but I will say, I think this movie is wrong for the John Michael Higgins character because nobody was racist back then. Racism was invented. (laughs) That's true. Yes, in 2004. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. And we all remember when it was invented. So the fact that he would be there in the 70s speaking like that about Asian people (laughs) to an Asian person actually is completely inaccurate and incorrect. And I'm going to kill this. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, That, I literally talked to to someone at, yeah, no, I talked to someone last night at the party, and I said, well, I had to watch rewatch Licorice Pizza for this episode that I'm recording, and the the hate for the John Michael Higgins character in this movie to me is sillier than the hate for the age gap. Like I understand the age gap hate more than I understand that because it's like that guy's a loser in this movie. I like yeah. this guy's not a cool guy. They're not. They are not saying this is good. This is what should be happening. It's a guy who clearly is fetishizing Asian women to the nth degree, 
and has done so to the point where he has made a profitable, quote-unquote, profitable business out of the whole thing. And he's a fucking loser. Yeah. And it's funny that he's it's, a loser. It's a pretty accurate depiction of how Asian culture and Asian people have been treated at that point in the 1970s. He's basically, like, if he wasn't alive in, like, tw- like late 2000s, early 2010s, he'd be, like, a bad anime bro. You know what I mean? Like, that, would, that that's just yes. the natural progression of this guy. Yeah. That people, yeah, it, that exists. People, yeah, people that fetishize Asian culture have for millennia, I'm sure. But, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. The first time I saw this movie, I was laughing pretty damn hard at the John Michael Higgins thing because it's very ridiculous, obviously. You, yes. you, you hire John Michael Higgins, masterful character actor, to do a very broad and that. silly and ignorant character. It's like right out of yes. a Christopher Guest movie. It's basically 100%. a bit in like fucking Summer Heights High or something. You know, like it's it's yes. not beyond that kind of like, look how dark and stupid this character is. And they don't even realize Yes. And also there's like some punchlines in there that are pretty funny and subtle, such as him trying to be like you know thoughtful about how you depict the asian restaurant in the advertising so it's like yes. please not about the women more about the food <laughs> like you know when right. he's doing his insane accent or whatever and then you get the eventual punchline of him being like i don't understand japanese but i will tell you <laughs> like he kind of like the way he burns through it and stuff like I, it is on a comedy level which this movie has trouble with sometimes i would say this movie's not always very funny when it's trying to be funny sure um that is one of the few times where it unfortunately, like, at least mathematically, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. And also, you know, it's not spewing hate or anything like that. But that, again, this is like a really interesting look at where we all are mentally at this time and what our next generations are going to be interested in and are interested in currently and are focused on and feel and uh it's it could be it's kind of scary but even even though it's also about sensitivities and about people's you know feelings and wanting to be open and understanding about all this kind of stuff it is it does just feel like some things that didn't feel like cause for concern in the past suddenly are and then I, I, yes. I, I don't know it's it, this can all really spiral to people like older folks who are like feeling like they're the bad guy for misgendering somebody when they didn't understand or something or like and then immediately from that point on think like because you have a different gender than i assume i am i am mad at you like that's what i think that's what happens to older generations like basically it's because like they just kind of spin what they don't understand into i'm being victimized by assholes or whatever and right, because they were because they were they don't because they were behind on what's appropriate. All of a sudden, it's like, well, I'm never gonna learn. I'm it, never gonna learn, and I'm never gonna get better. Exactly. Pe- yeah. I mean, like, so th- this goes to show people are stubborn, always have been, always will be. That's gonna be our downfall, so on and so forth. But yeah, like the the discourse around this movie got so interesting because, especially because I love. I'm I'm an Asian person. I'm Filipino. <laughs> yeah, if that if that wasn't actually clear at all, yes, you are of Asian descent. Yeah, I I am Asian, you know, and I didn't watch <laughs> those scenes. I mean, I watched those scenes, and I watched the women in those scenes, the two women in those two scenes with John Michael Higgins, the, the his two wives or his two girlfriends, I yes. guess, or whatever. Yeah, his yeah his, his partners or whatever, and they do. I don't know. Everyone looks confused at John Michael Higgins in this movie. No one is looking at him, you know, or like the Asian woman as like, uh, I don't know, like they should be 
whatever, like a certain way or something. They were looking at John Michael Higgins and kind of laughing at him or just quietly being like, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, especially when he, re- he reveals that he doesn't speak, you know, Japanese, uh, which makes everything weirder and funnier. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else more to say about that whole thing, but it is. I don't think there, I don't think there is, but here I will say this. Uh, if you want to get mad about it still, that's your right to get mad about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, don't talk to me. <laughs> Don't talk to me about this. But that's just we had to, we were had to bring it up because it was part of the part of the stew that this movie was based on. I don't even really like talking about this kind of stuff um, like yeah, in this way know, because I feel like the conversation gets really muddled and you, there people don't want to hear anything you know at a certain level they just kind of want to hear what they've already thought so i don't that's why i don't like diving into it even on a podcast which in theory can be a more nuanced conversation but if you want to get mad about it still knock your fucking socks off it is like people collecting opinions and just like whenever they enter another conversation about it it's like well here are my new opinions that i got on this the other day on twitter (laughs) Yeah, literally. Jesus Christ. Here are the tweets that I'm going to regurgitate at my party. Ugh. All right. Uh, let's get away from John Michael Higgins. Funniest part of the movie. <laughs> let's, let's get far away. <laughs> let's go to um, fucking somewhere else. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, but I'd like to go back to the to the uh, the Alana thing a little more. You know? But just her station where she's at in yeah, the movie. Yeah, and like the character of Alana Kane, you know? Like, I, again, yes. like, when they show her family life and they show her setup and stuff, like, I'm very fascinated. It's, it's someone who's yes. in there somewhere vaguely in their 20s, you know? Well, so it, it's 25, Is I think, officially. officially when, 25? Yes, because when I looked up, I don't think I included in the fast facts, but when she said that she was 28 in yes. that scene, that was that was a genuine mistake on Alana Himes part. That's that, and they just kept it in the movie because it was like the best take or something to that effect, or it was like the take that he liked the best. Mm -hmm. So it is, in fact, she is 25 in the film. That is a genuine actor flub that they kept in. Doesn't it just go to show how much you can read into something that was completely unintentional and just make you think, like, whatever. It's, um... That's the fun of movies, you know, before it gets into um, trying to show that you're smarter than other people or whatever <laughs> about stuff. Go but, off, King. But go it's, off, it's, King. it's fun to read into stuff, you know? Let's all go back to that fucking feeling of college without the, like, superiority complexes. Anyway. Um, no, I mean, Alana Kane is a very interesting character, and, like, she has such a great energy. It's amazing yes. watching her scream at her family and her two chill yes. sisters and her dad, who is, like... So funny and so funny. The dad, in this the movie. dad is coming up big time in the award section. Absolutely, of this, of this show for me. Yeah. Yes. But so, so that you know, I feel like she is under. She's not given. I, I wish there was more about Alana and her headspace, and you know, totally like the journey that she's going through. You know, like she's a volatile character. She's kind of like Barry Egan in a way. You know, yes. like she's not. She's. She's way more interesting than the Cooper Hoffman character. I agree. And I also like the Cooper Hoffman character, you know? Like, I love... Yeah. I mostly love watching Cooper, especially in the first half, I'd say. The first 50 minutes of this movie are pretty, like, astounding, I'd say. Like, pretty rock solid, I'd say. Until it gets to Sean Penn. And I, that seems, like, really good, too. But I think that's where the movie starts wobbling you around, and you're kind of like, okay... 
what is the core through line I'm supposed to be following here? Because I feel like things are just happening now <laughs> and there's yeah. no like, you know, um, that's that's why I always go back to saying, like, I think he had a lot of fun doing this because I think he yeah. just threw he threw structure out the window. Like he literally said, like, what's interesting? Yeah, All right, we'll do it next. Exactly. You know? Which great for him. That's amazing for an artist to be able to do that I agree. as a viewer. It, I hate it personally. Yeah, it's like it just feels like if that's what he wants to do and just really like have fun with it or whatever, mm-hmm. then shave 20 minutes off this movie and then like I'll be so much happier, you know, like sure. I'll be so much more into this lark that he wanted to have with his friends, you know. If this didn't have this kind of like larger feeling, like it's trying to go for something like sincere. You know, and I'm sure there's a, there's something there are sincere things in this movie, obviously, and for sure. For sure. Even in the intent alone, he cast he cast Cooper Hoffman in this movie. Yeah. You know, like that alone is kind of this like weird grand gesture in a way. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like so many good things have been set up about both these characters and I would have been really interested to see their headspace a little more as well. Cause I feel like he's been so good at conveying that. Um, but also I don't need like a psychodrama, I guess necessarily like this, like a funny, fun time with funny, interesting characters is totally fine too. But even in scenes where they, that they share together, a lot of this feels kind of like underwritten to me or just like uh, in a way where I, he doesn't seem concerned with like writing really good dialogue, <laughs> which is here's, whatever, here, you know, make a music video. Here's what, here's what I'll say. Yeah. There definitely is some big time music video vibes going on in this movie for sure. Which Andy Jurgensen is the editor of this exactly. film and he did all the fucking Valentine and daydreaming and Jonah and stuff. Yeah. He's made like what? F- 500 Haim music videos. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. 500 or a thousand somewhere in right, there. Right. 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 In that ballpark. Yeah. So yeah, they clearly have a good rhythm together as collaborators. And this feels like an actual obvious extension of that. And, uh, I'm not opposed to it entirely. Uh, so one thing that's interesting because again, I do think that the, where this movie kind of loses me is in the structure department and in the, like, what the fuck is really like, what's the point at the end of the day of this? Because when I first heard about this movie and that it was going to be about a child actor, I really thought we were going down the road more of like a Stanley from Magnolia type sure. story sure. and I thought we were kind of going down that road a little bit and that's previous to seeing the movie in, at all like that's just hearing about it you know and then when I started to realize oh no this is actually a love story at its core it almost feels like there is something there's like three ideas going on here yeah. it's like there's the movie there's the child star element which isn't even really a story element it's just a thing like it's just like there's not really like a driving force surrounding it it's just kind of like that's his thing as a character it's like a character thing for him it's kind of like this is a pardon me for being mean but like it is kind of like aqua teen hunger force where the show sets up that it's about a problem solving crime fighting team (laughs) And then three episodes in, it's about roommates who don't even do the job anymore. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you see these these kid actors. They do the spot with Lucille Ball, you know, person, like the, the, the basic yeah. guy, whoever that is or whatever. And then you see Gary bomb an audition twice, basically, in a row. And then, like, it's kind of like he's just friends with these young, like, child actors. And they have a bunch of money. So they're going to start businesses. <laughs> So, yeah, they abandon they abandon it entirely as like the actor thing. He's like, I'm actually gonna be like a schemer and stuff, which of course we know PTA likes the schemers. It's true. But then you have the Alana Kane thing of like, 
I feel stuck between adulthood and childhood, and I don't know what the fuck to do, which is very interesting, as you said. (laughs) And then you have this love story, which almost seems contrived at a certain level. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. This can be a movie. So it's like pick one. Yeah. And or like just show their relationship without needing to have the binary, you know? Yes. I mean, I get it, especially because things back then were a little more binary ish, maybe, or just kind of like, well, they won't they uh, or whatever. And this whole movie is just a push and pull of like, he's jealous now. She's jealous now. Or, you know, what even is this relationship supposed to be? And we can talk about the ending, I guess, in a little bit, too. And like, yeah, the what is this relationship supposed to be is, I think, a microcosm of the macrocosm problem for me, which is just the movie lacks focus at the end of the day. Absolutely, yeah. I I agree. And I feel like it doesn't do anything for... It doesn't really do itself any favors because it does just not give you anything to latch onto until the ending where it's like, okay, so I guess it is about them being, you know, know, in a relationship. And I think it's... I, I We talk about structure. This movie does very interestingly go from scene to scene with like, you know, like contextual associations and character decisions and whatnot. But, you know, the actual content of each scene or whatever and each sequence is completely episodic. And yes, um, it is. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think this movie actually could, you know, like there's a world where this is like a TV show or something or maybe a little more like like an anthology movie or something like that. Sure. Just like switch characters for longer stretches of time or something. But yeah, because they're the supporting cast. The supporting cast of this movie is good and interesting. Oh yeah. Like having Tom Waits in your film is like a W always. You know what I mean? Totally. Oh, him and Sean Penn are having a ball in this movie. And I love, yes. I mean, I I don't want to like it too detoured or whatever, but like just in that sequence, I love how, unmenacing they are even though they're kind of supposed to be you know like these scary evil old like men. big shots yeah big yeah. shots who you know like are look at any of the old men in boogie nights you know <laughs> like there's right, this like right yeah there could be a clear indication of something just like super nefarious and stuff but in that entire scene it's just two goofy old men <laughs> like yeah they're like know, buddies and they're having the fun yeah and they and they because they're you know they're big dick swingers. They're able to pull off. Like if anyone else tried to do what they did in that movie with the motorcycle jump, they would be like, fuck off. Like fu- yeah. shut the fuck up. Like don't do that. But they have clout and they're going to make it happen. You yeah. know? Um, and that, I will say the end of that sequence is my favorite part of the entire movie. When she falls off the motorcycle, yeah. he runs to her, let me roll it plays. And then they go to the waterbed thing and he's like, Oh, am I going to touch your boob? And then he doesn't touch your boob. It's a really incredible stretch. Um, uh, It's really incredible PTA movie up until the diner, basically at that point, like, yeah, that entire run is, you feel like really safe in his hands. Kind of like, this is like the most interesting, like this is him playing with, you know, psychological dynamics and like little gestures, just like really tiny human choices being made. And then like what they mean in the long run and stuff like, yeah, I, I, I agree. That's a really beautiful moment. Um, yeah. I feel like, Another, I like, can I, can I say a part of this movie that I didn't find interesting or funny until this watch? And I was actually, which again, still shows you how amazing of a filmmaker he is that I'm discovering parts of this movie that didn't really even hit for me before. But when they go to do the press junket mm-hmm. and they're on stage 
after they've already done the musical number. Uh, and they're like, Gary, what are you up to? And he says, I just did three beavers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was so funny this time, and I like didn't give a shit about it before because it's not that funny of a joke, no. but his the way he plays it is so funny because he tells Alana, I'm going to say something to you on stage that's just for you, yeah. you know, before they go out there. And it's the stupidest possible <laughs> joke yeah. you could have done because the guy's like, do you mean leave it to Beaver, right? And he's like, no, three, three beavers. beavers. And he just has this like shit-eating grin on his face. And it's like, bro, that's such a 15-year-old yeah. like move, you know? It's great how cringe uh, Gary is as a character. Uh, he's pretty cringe. He's, he has like sixth end. grader energy. All the way to yeah. the very bitter end of the movie. Like, I think it's, uh, yeah. He, 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 <laughs> Gary he, did some cringe. He's also just such an overgrown child, which then makes everything like about hanging out with children so funny. Like he's like, even Maya Rudolph's character says like, oh my God, you got so huge. <laughs> like he's. That, that, that audition scene is funny too. I think yeah, when he's struggling yeah. to put on the vest, like I think there's some good moments in that. And the Tim Conway Jr. character is pathetic. Oh, and like, my God. Just being like, yep, you still got it. <laughs> Oh, man, you still got it. He's like, what's up with you? And he's like, uh, you know, divorced, divorced but losing weight. So that's good. Yeah. Like, you know, there's funny bit characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. Harriet Sansom Harris is unreal in the one scene that she yeah. gets. Like, it's literally, you know, they say it on, you know, the fucking rewatchables or whatever, but it is true a heat check performance for yeah. real. Just coming in and being like, oh, you thought I, you thought I wasn't going to fucking run this shit? I'm about to run this shit. Yeah, unbelievable. Almost entirely in close up. And her face is doing all the work for you. Like she's giving and the laugh. Yeah. She, yeah. The laugh, everything it's, she's really rocking. And even if the fucking character and most of this movie is like kind of underwritten or not that funny to me in dialogue, like she is still crushing so hard in that sequence. And it's so fun to watch her do that. Um, but yeah, to the point that there's a lot of great characters in this movie, like I, I kind of wish it was like more like like Slacker or something. And it was just like sure. wandering around. It basically does that, you know, with the through line of of Gary and, and Alana or whatever. But like, it needed to pick a lane. It either needed to be more like Slacker or it needed to be more like a little more conventional like Phantom in Thread its or structure. Something. Yeah, if you want to do like yeah. a relationship, like drama, comedy thing or whatever, then like, you know, keep giving us those two characters. But, you know, I guess we can talk about this because I'm like, there's so many thoughts in my brains or in my brain or whatever, but like licorice pizza, what the fuck does the title mean? There's uh, a, a right. there was a vinyl, uh, there's a record store chain that came that that came in once, you know, over year over the years. Um, they they was, also I also read that like actual vinyls themselves were sometimes called licorice. Yes, pizzas. it is a joking term, I believe. Um, basically, I think someone a salesman once said like, you know, if the kids uh, if if no one likes it and they're not selling it, we'll sell it to the kids as licorice pizza or whatever, you know. Yeah. So that again, like, feels kind of like a a clue to me that this movie has it's two things, I guess. It's like one. This movie is episodic, and each sequence is kind of like a song, you know, I guess, about each character. Oh, If you want sure. to think about it that okay. way, you know? Like, it's, okay. it's, yeah. it's like the same characters, different situations, So, and you're not necessarily going to get the through line through all the situations except for the characters. Um, very Mountain Goatsy. Um, and then the other thing is... Goat? It's very Goatsy. Oh, it's very Goat... Yes, exactly. <laughs> Hold on. I got I to gotta hit you. I got to hit you with this one. <laughs> Very goatsy. You're right. Very goatsy. Yeah, no, you continue. got my ass. Uh, and then also, yep. yeah, that this is, you know, like, hey, if this doesn't work, then, you know, whatever. But uh, and again, that's kind of charming to a degree that he would just kind of try something out and just have a little fun with it or whatever. But absolutely. Yeah, I don't I don't hate 
this film. I don't hate this movie like in at all. I'm yeah. dis- I'm disappointed by it as a PTA fan and loving his work. Sure. It does not necessarily scratch the itch that his other most of his other movies do. Uh, especially coming off such a good rewatch of Phantom Thread, dude. Holy fucking shit. Yeah, that one really that unlocked movie itself. Just, yeah. That movie exploded for both of us in such a cool way. And I was hoping in my heart of hearts, maybe a third watch of Licorice Poots will do it, but I knew deep down that I'm like, I just don't think that I'm, I can fuck with this one. Yeah, but, you know, again, it, uh, not to, I'm not disagreeing with you. I don't know what it is. I, I did, I did it like that. <laughs> um its expectations are so silly, you know. In general, I guess yes, it's like expectations surround and it's running any big thing is yeah. silly at the it, end of the day. I, to a certain degree, I have to say it's understandable when you look at a stretch yes. like Boogie Nights through Phantom Thread, basically. And also, that's just, I mean, but also that's just what happens. Yeah, that's just what, that's totally. just what it's the normal human thing yeah. to be like. I'm so fucking pumped for X or whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, if it's your if you love it. You're gonna want to love it as much as you love the other yeah, shit. Yeah, and you give power uh, to a lot of things like that for sure. And I guess it's a testament to, you know, just how like I feel like his like movies are kind of like Rorschach tests in a weird way. You know, there's like so much that you can see and put into it on your yes. own. Um, so you know, props to him. And also, this movie is a lot of people's favorites. People love this movie. So people, a lot of people love licorice pizza yeah and it's fucking different Love it. you know like we're talking like i think that the script is not really that great and um not that funny and also doesn't dig in enough to these characters as much as it could have and uh, you know it, it does a lot of the vibe thing which is kind of you know radical in its own way you know like, it's like were, t- yeah, were, were you into once upon a time in hollywood yes yes i was and you, i would love to give that movie another watch absolutely yeah and there are I very, remember, there's very similar things here going on, obviously, right? I, I remember, I have not seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood since it came out. Same. But I didn't fuck with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood either. There, yeah, there you go. I, I get why people don't, too, because it is so, yeah. it's... It's, it's like, vibes. It's, that yeah. movie is all vibes. Yeah, it's like very anti-cinematic and stuff as well. Um, Wait, what do you mean? I'm not disagreeing, but what does that mean when you say that? I don't know. I think it's just like it's, I think I kind of disagree with what I I just said. But I mean, like it, it's um, it really takes its time. It's slow. It's not like yeah. trying to. I mean, You're yeah, letting, it's letting you soak in the vibes. Yeah, exactly. And that's what yeah. is so fun. But that that's the thing about it is like, wow, you really do feel like you're in 1969 Hollywood. The Bruin looks great. Yeah. There's that old Taco Bell in Tustin that they went to film at or whatever <laughs> that everyone freaked out that Tarantino was in Orange County. And yeah. that was a crazy thing. But yeah, I you know, I think the, both these movies are, are pretty similar, even though for some reason I think about what we once once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh, and once upon a time in Hollywood has the fucking thing it's building up to, you know, so it like has. Yes. The kind the of revisionist history, the benefit of the doubt of like, how the fuck is that going to go down? And I'm also just anticipating something terrible happening. So it has that, you know, going for right. it. There is a historical context to that. Sure. Yeah. And this movie has, you know, very funny anecdotes and whatnot. But otherwise, it is kind of this like, what kind of painting are you making right now? <laughs> what shape am I looking for? And then by the end, you're like, oh, OK, sure. I guess that they belong together in this kind of like. Adults are so hypocritical and also corrupt. Why do we have to be like them? Let's just do what we want to do and love each other or whatever kind of thing. But someone told me someone I was talking about this movie with someone and they described it as it's about the death of the flower child. 
That's what they say. Sure, yeah. I'd say, yeah, I'd, it doesn't feel as direct as something like that, but that feels like it's in the air, absolutely. In terms of For the sure. direction of, like, looking at these values and these ways these ways of living and stuff like that. Uh, I, 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 I like that. I like that take. I want to I wanna touch on a few more things, and then we're already running a little long here, so I do yeah. want to move on to Fast Facts and Awards and stuff. Cool, me. Uh, I love anytime Benny Safdie is acting in a film, that's a treat for me. It's fun. That's to, a treat. It's fun to watch him do the math in his head and play these play these bizarre characters. I agree. I think it's fun to watch. I think he's a I think he's a brilliant actor. Yeah. Like I think he is a truly special actor. Yeah. Like from Good Time to he's in a movie called Person to Person, which is a very yeah. slight, very like small smaller film by Dustin Di- Dustin Guy Defa. Mm-hmm. He's great in that movie. I There's agree. another Benny in that film named Benny, I think Cooper Smith, who's excellent as well. Yeah. So two Bennies for the price of one on that one. And you know, even though he's probably on screen for what fifteen minutes at most in this film, mm-hmm. I still I love. I think he's a wonderful actor. So getting to see him on screen, I think, is always a treat. Joseph Cross. Is a great yeah, character actor real, and does some really heartbreaking stuff in this movie. A real highlight. And also just holding so much weight for the movie to even have some sort of like wraparound thought, you know, <laughs> like to have. Yeah, that's a re- Yes. Yeah. To have a ending that says anything. It's like kind of entirely thanks to him, I'd say. Yeah, he's doing a lot of it. I mean, he really is. I mean, that moment between him and Alana is one of the best parts of the whole movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, even like the scene with Benny Softy also leading into the next one. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that sequence is very good. It's very, yeah, very riveting because if you are watching this movie and are kind of like, all right, what's happening now? What am I expecting? And so you find yourself in the middle of another emotional, interesting human episode or whatever. And yes. you care about these this character so deeply. He, a, a person being hurt, being used or whatever. And you get to see that like have some kind of catharsis. And I think it's super interesting and actually is one of the things that holds up very well in this film. And the other moment that I, that I like, and I think is hit for me every single time in one way, shape or form is when Alana goes sexy mode on the phone, trying to sell the water. That is a good scene. That scene played better for me this time than it did in the past. Yeah. So I think, I think same. I think I noticed it a lot more this time in like a, Oh, this is good because the reason why that scene is funny to me is because it's clearly in- infuriating to Cooper Hoffman exactly. that this is happening. Yeah. You know, and that's interesting and funny and like stressful, yeah. you know, to watch. Yeah. It is. This movie is a lot of like scenes happening that are gestures of um, intimacy, like jealousy and, and immaturity in some ways. Yes, too. exactly. It's like, okay, then this next scene is going to be how the other person fights back basically, or yeah. infuriates the other person and does something deliberately frustrating or something. Uh, yeah, it's a very interesting, uh, way to bounce between these characters. Like Pinball. Like Pinball. Yeah, uh, I, like I think video. that was pretty... I like video. Sorry, I, like I think that was... I, I like oh. that. I like that. Okay. Um, the only like other... It. I think that was pretty much it. Johnny Greenwood's score is, like, very understated he in this. He has one song. Good, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one piece of score, honestly. And that's... Whatever, yeah. it's fine. I, there's still good. I mean, the needle drops in this movie are great too. Yes, I'd say that there's some really solid needle drops. Um, the ending credits one is really an all timer, I think. Yes, Taj Mahal, yeah. amazing needle drop. Amazing yes. Peace Frog by the Doors. Really exciting to see like that whole sequence with that song in particular playing. True. Um, I mean, let me roll it. I think let is me roll the, it. Yeah, the crown. I agree. Yeah. Uh yeah yeah I, I you know uh you, you kind of miss Greenwood a little bit but also it's nice to see PTA play with records again 
And that was pretty much all I think I had here. Let me see. Is there anything else? Oh, the shot of Gary and Alana hugging outside the police station, the reflection of the door is a good shot. Like yeah. that's a that's that's a that's a well done shot for a sequence that doesn't fucking make any sense at all. I will say I love the teenage fair. I think it's a very interesting and weird Oh, that painting that whole sequence of historical context, I guess. Yeah. Sure. And then him getting arrested is really so bizarre. I think it's actually kind of smart that he sets up that one of his friends is like looking for drugs. Like uh, at this time, he's like, yeah, we can like, give weed and stuff like that to people. And it's just enough, I think, to then make when he's arrested feel like, oh, God, he's in trouble. But then you know, it kind of blossoms into this, like, what the fuck is he arrested for? <laughs> right. And you get some very funny lines from the cops that are driving him away. <laughs> Which are the- You're going away, pal. You're going to jail. You're going to jail, big boy. Hope you enjoy Attica, dickhead. <laughs> Like, yes. Like the most like ignorant, stupid cops. <laughs> um, that scene was filmed right by where I live now, damn, and I noticed it. Nice. And that's so because and I when I moved into that this area, I was driving around and I was like, I think this is where this happens. And then I watched it yesterday, and I was like, Yep, there you go. So that's like near me now. So I guess that's cool. Like I guess you know, I think that PTA was in my neighborhood in late 2020 filming that. You know, <laughs> sure. So shout out to to me on that one. I guess more than anything. Shout out to that. Um, is there anything, any other small, quick stuff that you want to say before we go fast facts and awards? I like that when he's in the teenage fair, Cooper Hoffman at one point just says Taco Mini Bike. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I don't remember that at all, but that's good. <laughs> I was watching it last night. I was just like, why? Why is that? Why did he say that? What is he looking at? Um, There's a cameo that we'll talk about in that sequence. That's really fun. Yep. Uh, Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, At at a certain point, it's like, I shouldn't be giving this much thought or effort into a movie. That's clearly just trying to have fun or whatever. But it again is also a testament to the fact that his previous movies have been such interesting. Uh, towers of human behavior and psychological oddities and uh, empathy you know <laughs> and hope yes. that people can come through and uh you know get a hold of themselves and you know find what find purpose in life or whatever and this movie is uh a this little movie's a romp the movie's a romp it's all over the place has some interesting little moments like that but they don't really sink together into one big thing and it just yeah. it just kind of happens, and I think it's a little long, and sometimes not really that funny. But otherwise, like, hey, another another silly little PTA movie. I think that's. I think the what cool. you just said is as a key element there, where you said it doesn't really like sink into one big thing, because I think that people, myself included, and I'm probably speaking more for myself and projecting here, but I am willing to go along with something if I believe that it will ultimately pay off into something like a much bigger thing. Right. A, per, a, a really perfect example personally for me with that is the rehearsal, the Nathan Fielder sure. season one sure. show. To me, that doesn't really pay off into one bigger thing like I thought that it would or maybe how I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy each episode on their own. Like I enjoy each episode of the rehearsal season one as an episode, mm-hmm. as an individual episode. But I actually don't think it's a very good in totality season of television, like as a as a on a macro level. Sure. And I guess that's how I feel about Licorice Pizza as well. Sure. Um, I would have to rewatch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to see if I actually give a flying F about that one. And I would like to rewatch it uh, to see, but they are super similar. Same here. Uh, last, 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 last thing. 
Are, how do you feel? Yeah, how, do you, how do you feel about them getting together in the end and her saying, "I love you, Gary"? I don't like "I love you, Gary." I think "I love you, Gary" is bad. I agree. It also is like eighty yard and kind of lame. And yes. I, I I feel like you know if this movie. I lit, think it's better if they get the kiss. Fine. Sure. Have them just run off. I love you, Gary. Is bad. I think actually. I actually don't like it at all. I think, I think it, I'm glad you brought that. I up. I agree. I think it solidifies it in the wrong direction. Whereas if it was just this general like, I'll keep running around the world with you and getting in fights with you, and I want you in my life, kind of thing. Yes. Like some like that is totally fine. Even if they leave it to kiss, hi, hi, you're an idiot, whatever. You know, like that's fine. Right. But the I love you, Gary, does leave a really bad taste in the mouth. It's so strange. It does. It's so strange. Yes. It is so, it sounds bad and it like doesn't feel good. I don't think. It just no, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like it fits. It's a little bit of a round peg in a square hole. It's not needed. Gilding the lily, Ungapachka, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, even like, you know, like um, the ending montage where they're running toward each other and then you literally cut between them running in earlier scenes in the movie. Uh, my girlfriend thought like, yeah, like, I'm not an idiot, PTA. They've been running at each other the whole film. I get it or whatever. But I, uh, but I'll, one of my yeah. friends, sorry, I'm sorry. I no, know. it's okay. It's okay. I was just going to say like, at that point, I feel like that's just PTA being like, I need to build a catharsis moment. And the only way I can really right. think to do that is to just show that this has been happening the entire film and that the only destiny that feels worth following through here in a kind of inherent vicey kind of way is like, I just got to smash these two characters together. They got to stay together. Yeah. Cause they clearly want to. But maybe take a step too far. And go on. My friend's uh, dad, mm-hmm. I follow him on on uh, Letterboxd. Uh, he's, a, <laughs> he's a very nice man. Very sweet, good guy. His Letterboxd review for Licorice Pizza is two stars. Okay. And it just says, what? Question <laughs> mark. And, and then also dot, dot, dot. Why all the running? <laughs> and I just think that's so fucking funny because he's, you know, he's like a Gen X guy, like you know, and he's, and he, but he's not, but he's not like not into movies, you yeah. know. So he's like willing to give something like this a shot, and I just think that's such a funny, fair thing to say yeah. about this movie. It's at the true. End of the day. What? Why? And why all the running? Why like, are I just they running so funny. much? <laughs> Which is a good it's a good question. Yeah. And the answer is because they're fucking kids and can't get anywhere else except if someone gives them a ride. Exactly. Exactly. That's, what you, that's why they're fucking running everywhere. That's what you do as a kid. You run around. I do like Life on Mars playing as they're running through the traffic as the uh, as the oil crisis is happening. I don't like Life on Mars as they're running around while the oil crisis is happening. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I get that. I will. Actually. I will say. I will say. Is entirely because I have such a strong love for the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, but it does feel like to me, in my own stupid little way, I acknowledge it's a very stupid position to have. But it is like get your own song, fucking idiot. <laughs> it does on on some level. I do see that it is a little bit of a weird placement for that song yeah. in the film. Yeah. But I still like it's such a good song yeah, that it almost doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, the fucking the chorus is so beautiful, and like even Gary's screaming, "It's the end of the world!" is like such an interesting feeling and like really cool, and it landing yes. on like the like out of gas, get a bike, you know, kind of thing. Hundred uh, percent. Like it's a cool feeling and mood and stuff. But I also just feel like it kind of feels like an easy move, and I feel like this movie's filled with sure. a lot of easy moves, a lot of like comedic scenes getting away with things purely on cadence as opposed to any valuable dialogue or anything like that. But I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to 
harp on this movie anymore. It's for for no, for no one any for for no one's benefit. This is happening. <laughs> I would agree, and that's why you got a bathroom in this place. It's time to take a shit and do some other shit. <laughs> if which is the funniest thing anyone's ever said. Yeah, probably, it's really good. It's really good. Noah. It's, it's time to take a shit and, and do, do some, some other sh- shit. Do, do some other crap. Yeah, it's funny. Do some other fucking crap. Uh, Himes, sisters Danielle and Esty, father Moti and mother Donna also appear as Alana Kane's family. Yeah. The children of Anderson and Rudolph, as well as relatives and children of other filmmakers and cast members also appear. Yep. Appearing as Gary's friends are Griff, Giacchino as Mark, James Kelly as Tim, and Will Angarola as Kirk. John C. Riley has an uncredited cameo yep. as Fred Gwynn, who portrayed Herman Munster and lists as Herman Munster as himself. And Don Cheridan cameos as Sam Harpoon, a director. Yes. And bonus little fun fact on that. There is a rumor that the Sam Harpoon Twitter account is real life PTA. Yes, which I think would be really amazing. And in fact, be funnier than anything in Licorice Pizza. (laughs) (laughs) It would be dope if that was really him. And I bet you there's a strong possibility that... Maybe it's not fully him, but he's involved. It's a good Twitter account. And also there's this like really funny long running thing of like him trying to do screening retrospectives of his movies and stuff like always going wrong or getting in the way. Like it's it's sincerely a very funny like meta comedy bit. Uh, I, I totally that's like maybe one of the, the better things to come out of this movie. Uh, it's it's so silly. And also even the Sam Harpoon guy in the movie is also pretty funny. <laughs> He is. He also just has a great look. Yes, too. yes. Very, very 70s, like, full beard, Francis Ford Coppola on the set of Apocalypse Now with a gun kind of thing. 100%. Yeah. Gun, gun in the head saying, if we don't finish this movie, so I'm going to kill myself. He said that. He said that shit. He said it. <laughs> Fuck. In 2001, or excuse me, around 2001, probably around 9-11, Anderson was walking by a middle school in Los Angeles on picture day. He observed one of the students nagging the female photographer and had an idea of having a student having a romantic relationship with the photographer. The screenplay of Licorice Pizza evolved from his experience and additional stories told to Anderson by his friend Gary Getzman, who was a child actor who starred in Yours, Mine, and Ours with Lucille Ball, appeared on The Ed Sullivan Show, and eventually started a waterbed company and pinball arcade. Getzman at one time delivered a waterbed to John Peters' home, Anderson also considered Fast Times at Ridgemont High and American Graffiti as major influences in Licorice Pizza. For my, I will say for myself, love Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Don't really care about American Graffiti. I, Do you have opinions on either? I love Fast Times at Ridgemont High. American Graffiti's got some good moments. It's, it's not my favorite, but... I do like pre-Star Wars George Lucas as a thing. I think it's very interesting. But that's kind of It's interesting as like a as like a historical and cultural like thing to be like, "Oh, this was the man before he created monoculture almost, totally. you know." It it feels very pure, you know? I uh I'm, I there's there's a there's a feeling about American graffiti that I think is worth celebrating and looking back on or whatever. But Fast Times at Ridgemont High is a sincerely fantastic movie. Like, I... I, I, Genuinely amazing. It's a great genre, for sure. And there's there's something about it that I feel like clashes against what PTA does now, you know? Like, I feel like Boogie Nights maybe is closer to the sensation you get from a Fast Times at Ridgemont High or a Valley Girl or Clueless or something like that. But it definitely now, like, with... with Even even in in this movie, there is just... 
something so visually poetic about the way he orchestrates his films, even uh, even if I don't really yes. drive with the story necessarily. Uh, Anderson received permission from John Peters to develop a character based on him on the sole condition that Peters' favorite pickup line is used. Anderson went on to create a monster version of Peters based on 1970s Hollywood producer who had a reputation for a lot of bravado and aggro energy. And I can't verify that this is the favorite pickup line, but I have a feeling, or actually, I don't know what that favorite pickup line would be. I don't know why I even said that. Do you know what that might have been? The favorite pickup line of Peters? You like peanut butter sandwiches? Oh, that might have been it, Maybe. actually. That actually probably I don't is know. it. It's just like, it's such a, like, out of nowhere, like, what the fuck is this guy doing? He's, ah, that scene is so great when Alana's on the curb and he's just feral, just like, wa- like just yes. kicking shit around and muttering to himself. A dangerous man. A man yeah. a, literally a man, like, a, a tiger escape from the zoo type Absolutely. shit. I also don't want to imply that Fast Times at Richmond High is not a visually poetic film. In fact, there's a lot of stuff in there, especially when Jennifer Jason Lee is uh, getting cunnilingus performed on her for the first time, and we see her perspective. She's looking up at the ceiling in a very interesting form, uh, way of perspective, I think, uh, especially for a character like that. Um, just, I think that there are different kinds of movies now. Okay, go on. And you can't hate on Phoebe Cates getting out of the pool. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> Very sick. Uh, in September 2020, excuse me. In September 2021, the film was officially titled Licorice Pizza, named after a former chain of record shops in Southern California. Anderson explained, "If there's two words that make me kind of have a Pavlovian response and memory of being a child running around. It's licorice and pizza. There you go. It instantly takes me back to that time. He added that the words seemed like a catch-all for the feeling of the film that go well together and maybe capture a mood. Now, in my opinion, that is a summation of what I don't like about this movie <laughs> is that explanation for yeah. why he called it licorice pizza. Yeah. And again, it's fine if you love this movie. That's just what... I that's just my fucking idea, okay? Yeah, just our personal opinions. Do you think it's better than Soggy Bottom? It's I think it's a lateral move. Sure. Personally. It, yeah. I think yeah. they're more or less the same level actually. Right, yeah. I I feel like Soggy Bottom has a little more of an like a, a darker implication to it, but uh, Definitely. And Licorice Pizza just feel like, you know, like fucked up candy basically is like what this movie To me to, to me, they are kind of both, like, mediocre titles, if I'm being honest with you. Oh, uh, I mean, hey, what, what can you do? <laughs> we got, you can literally do nothing we, about it. We got all. the movie that we got, and, uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio's father, George DiCaprio, yep. portrays the man who sells Gary a waterbed in the film. George was a well-known figure in Southern California's underground art scene during the era depicted in the film. That's actually kind of an insane poll that he got him yeah. to be in this movie. Kind of fucking crazy. Uh, we've already talked about this, but the film generated controversy around the romance between the main characters, one of whom is 25 and the other is 15. It also came under fire in which the character Jerry uses a demeaning mock Asian accent when speaking to his Japanese wives. Regarding the latter, director Anderson <laughs> defended the scenes as being contemptuous, excuse me, defended the scenes as being contemporaneous and accurate portrayals of the movie's time period. Yeah. The group Media Action Network for Asian Americans, however, called for an awards boycott of the film due to the decision to include these two scenes without any pushback from the characters. <sighs> yeah. Those are the facts, folks. 
Those are the facts. Yeah. Don't no don't I don't necessarily agree that there's not pushback from the characters. I think it's what Anderson is saying more of a time period pushback where they're like, "Hmm, isn't this guy a loser?" in a very subtle way. Yeah. I yeah, exactly. I mean, I think he's played for a laugh, but I think also people take, you know, umbrage with that and um you know, maybe I'm not. It a, is what it is. Maybe I'm not a good Asian. Who knows? But I, I also feel like, uh, and this is such a silly thing to say. Ugh, whatever. This is. It's also stupid. There's there's so much great Asian representation coming out right now, and it's not like we're a fucking like you know monolith or like the end all be all or something. And I don't think it should stop. I think it's it's really awesome. In fact, I'm you know I'm very excited and very moved to see. People like fucking Hiro Mirai or Daniel Kwan or, you know, Chloe Zhao and, you know, all these people. Like, it's, sure. Uh, Marquita, fuck, uh, the woman who made Leonore Will Never Die. Like, I think it's so really, really, really oh, cool. Oh, I've heard that's amazing. I love that movie so very much. Um, so, yeah, I'm all welcome for more and more Asian representation. I also like Paul Thomas Anderson movies and stupid jokes. <laughs> that's that. <laughs> There, and that's that on that. That's the T. As is mentioned in the film, pinball was banned in Los Angeles from 1939 to 1973 on the grounds that it is legally a form of gambling. I guess you could say that about every single arcade game ever made, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Carol Burnett, along with her daughter Jody Hamilton, personally provided the clips from the Carol Burnett show for use in this film. Paul Thomas Anderson's father, Ernie Anderson, was the announcer on the show from season eight onward. Damn. Whoa. Pretty nice. Kind of cool. Good for Paul. Paul Thomas Anderson's children appear in different scenes throughout the film. Most prominently, his eldest daughter is the teenage girl sitting next to Gary when he sees that Jack Holden is at the tail of the cock restaurant. Yeah. Cool. 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 I'm going to Sherman Oaks uh, today. I just realized for a location scout. I'm very excited. Dude. I, lo- I love Sherman Oaks. What can I say? I love Sherman Oaks up there. It's a great place to hang out. <laughs> they actually do have mini golf up there. That's pretty cheap and good. And I hear that place has an arcade also. They do. The one that you and I went to, better arcade, but they don't have mini golf at the one you and I went to. So. You want to go mini golfing sometime? I really would love to go mini golfing sometime. Yes, I've I went to that Sherman Oaks one with some friends and they were like, We don't we, it was fun, but we don't really I don't know. And I'm like, fuck. Losers. So yeah, we gotta go back. Losers. Sorry. Losers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, none of the younger cast members were aware that Bradley Cooper was involved in the film until he came charging at them in full costume (laughs) as the cameras were rolling. That's a very funny thing to do to the young actors. I do like that on it as an outsider. Yeah. It's Um, it's pretty great. The final take was the final take used in the film where his character introduces himself and asked who in charge was the first time Cooper and Alana saw him. And then last but not least, I thought this was very interesting in reality. The television ads for Joel Walks mm-hmm. were directed by a then unknown director named Jonathan Demi. Yeah. Demi would go on to become one of the most successful filmmakers of the late 20th century, working with Gary Getzman on many projects. Demi was PTA's idol as a young filmmaker and friend as an adult. Yeah, like how can you not That's how it wraps around. How can you not make this movie for Paul Thomas Anderson? Like I get it, you know? Like clearly these are all very funny anecdotes and they're all very exciting and interesting and stuff. So yeah, like I I hope he likes how it turned out because yeah, it, it is a series of very ex- interesting and sweet and funny anecdotes. Yes, all in one universe happening at the same time simultaneously. <laughs> 
he did the monster fuck. All right, let's let's close this bitch out. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go home. This I gotta go. This episode's pissing me off. We're leaving on a bad note. No, okay. No, don't, dude. No, I'm just kidding though. No, I'm just joking. You got a bathroom in this place? I'm not joking yeah. about that. That I actually I do have, I have to take a shit. Um. Jiraki, my favorite scene is the driving the truck after John Peter's house and that whole sequence. Yeah, Christ, man. I mean, how do you not love that sequence so much? Um, I really... I love any scene of just the the Haim family. Haim? Haim? Whatever. Haim. Haim. Yeah. Family. Uh, I think think they're really fun to watch all together. Um, They are. And uh, that opening scene at the school is pretty damn great, too. I kind of go ah, back and forth with that. Actually, you know, yeah, I, I take you. it back. I like it more in theory and visual than I do in terms of dialogue. In fact, it kind of introduces one of the most annoying dialogue tropes in this movie, I think, in that sequence. But um, I like the shots in that scene a lot. I love the tracking shot. Like, I think it's very good. and uh, Where it's kind of like rotating around them a little yeah. bit. And then, or when it, are you talking about when they actually go into the, the gym? Both. I mean, the mirror. Oh, when sure. he's, he's combing himself and stuff. And then when they enter the gym, like, I, I love all that and that energy and stuff. But, no, clearly the best scene in this movie is the, the going down the hill backwards in the truck. Or anything with Joseph Cross. Like, I think the scene at, the, at, yeah. at his doorstep is also pretty lovely. That's a great, that's a great moment. Yeah. Rocky, we you kind of already talked about some shots, but what is your favorite shot or shots in this film? I'm going to give uh, a shout-out to when they're driving after they just uh, had their interaction with... They, they finished filling up John Peter's wa- waterbed, and they're driving, and they're kind of laughing about it, and then they stop in their tracks, and they have this shot of Bradley Cooper just trudging his way up the hill in silhouette. That's, yep. It is yep. That's a good shot. an insanely funny shot. Um, but this whole movie is just fucking filled. I mean, it's just, he just knows how to photograph people now. It's like, he really, he really cracked a cheat code to make things look really, really amazing. So yes. this movie is just like an awesome cinematography reel. Um, and yeah, once again, he and Michael Bauman are basically code DP in yeah. this film together again. Also another funny little shot. I mean, I love the teenage fair. I think that entire tracking sequence is really great. Um, a great moment is when Danielle is telling Alana she has to stop fighting with people. And then Alana immediately tells her to fuck off and goes away. And then it cuts to this funny little top-down shot of, of Danielle by herself on the curb. <laughs> just kind of like, yep. well, okay, egg on my face. Sorry for trying. Uh, I don't know. I thought that's just like a funny little uh, just kind of shrug of a, of a, of a moment there. Uh, I like that shit. That is a good nice. That is nice. Thanks. I'm going to give it to uh, hands on the waterbed touching in silhouette. God damn. I think that's a beautiful, uh, just a aesthetically beautiful shot. And one of the few times in the movie where I get the quote unquote, I miss the old PTA, you know, like (laughs) like, quote unquote Kanye style. Yeah. Even though he's mega canceled. Is this the the Jesus is King of PTA movies? Oh, boy. Oh boy! I don't even want to go. Inherent Vice is the Jesus of PTA movies. (laughs) I'm not touching that with a ten foot pole. Uh, My favorite line is anything John Peters says in the film. Uh, I think that the the kings though are I love so I love tail so much it's gonna kill me one day, 
uh, that's really good to me, and I'm going to kill you and your family, uh, and then, like, a very, like, pregnant pause if you fuck up my house. Because yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that you just think he says, I'm going to kill you and your family, yeah. and then he hits him. He hits him with the, if you fuck up my house. So those are probably my two favorite lines in the movie. Yeah. Uh, my favorite line in this movie, it's twofold that they're of the same thing, is when Skylar Gazando says, bien, bien. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Skylar Gazondo underrated in this movie. Underrated. Very, it's, very it's, good. In hindsight, it's going to be great to think that they that Skylar Gazondo was in a PTA movie and he crushes for the twenty minutes that he's in. Like he's yes, he's so funny. 100%. He's so fucking funny in that dinner scene. Plays that character perfectly. But he's immediately like, "Oh, I'm actually an atheist." Like he has no thought that it would be completely distasteful of him to say that right now. Like it's no idea how to read a room at all. Yeah. Like, especially like on the plane, especially too, when he's like very clearly like, I'm going to fuck her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm going to fuck her. And I'm going to make you watch me put that into action. Yep. Great character. And then Harriet Sansom Harris saying, bueno. <laughs> bueno. <laughs> she, yeah. She does that like weird, like head quirk and her eyes are scrunched up as hard as possible. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down a lot of lines. They're all just kind of uh, loose. I really like everything Alana's saying in the tale of the cock scene when she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Am I sexy? <laughs> like, I think that's a very, to, 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 uh, to Sean to Penn. Cooper Hoffman? To Sean Penn. Oh, Sean yeah. Penn. I think that scene in um, in Alana's perspective is pretty sad and kind of like a little devastating because uh, she's just trying to be adult, but she clearly is just like feeling out of her depth and not loved back, basically. Um, sure. So I, I like a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah, there's a lot of funny little lines, like when Bradley Cooper is guessing Alana Alana's birthday and then he's like 13. She's like 15. He's like, I was too off. <laughs> As, and he's like, Sagittarius, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Capricorn. He's Sagittarius. Yep. He's like, ah, oh, yes, I knew it. Yeah, ex- I knew it. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of great small little lines throughout this movie that are, are really good. Best musical moment I've been talking about the whole goddamn time. But actually, it's a tie between Let Me Roll It by Wings and the Taj Mahal uh, end credit drop. Those are the two actual best musical moments in the movie, for sure. I mean, the music at the beginning is really nice. I think it's Nina Simone. Um, uh, like, in the picture day? Yeah, and under, like, getting in line and stuff. I think that's a really well... That scene feels great, for sure. Uh, and Peace Frog is just a really great song. And I love yeah. hearing it and seeing it being used like that. So, uh, great yeah, great a little bit. Oh, 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 I messed up. Did we do scenes what already? What happened? Did we do best scenes already? We did. That's the first thing we do. We literally did that. All right. I'm going to go we back. We literally did it, but what did you do? What happened? This is a twofold. Best musical moment okay. and best uh, best scene is when Coop, uh, Gary and his mom are getting burgers and you hear on the radio, we got this new song from Todd Rundgren. And you hear like a little oh, D- sure. DJ Chuffa about Todd Rundgren and this new song. It's a great song, if I remember correctly. Um, and he sees Alana and Skylar Gazondo out getting burgers and stuff. And Gary's like, do you want to eat these at home or in the car? And she's like, you want to go home? And he's like, yeah, I want to go home. I think it's a really, it's a good moment. really beautiful punch drunk love-esque kind of like, you know, like you were saying earlier, tail between your legs, kind of like, I I just need a hug, kind of like beats of, of humanity. Yeah. And then the scene after with the phone call, I think was also really riveting and interesting. And uh, that's in- I don't like the phone call afterward, personally. I think it's good. 
Uh, but also it's because no one's fucking talking. So there you go. Dang! <laughs> That's, there, there, therein lies our two different perspectives on why this movie doesn't fully work. <laughs> you got a bathroom in this place? Oh! <laughs> That's you. Whenever anybody's talking in the movie. Yeah. Like, you got a bathroom in this place? Did you like the musical sequence? The, the yours, mine, and ours thing? It's fun. It's fun. You know? Yeah. It's fun. Like, it's it's in, it's interesting, but again, it just feels... It all feels a little too floaty, little too, like, you can't grab onto anything, yeah. really, in this movie for me. So, totally. Whole, yeah, whole I liked a, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, but to what end do I like it? You know what I, I mean? I, I'm with you on that. The whole thing just is kind of like, eh, just because. And that to me, that kind of frustrates me. Personally. I'm the same, but also his fucking kids are in the movie, and he's just, he, he's just having fun with it. So whatever. He's having fun. Speaking of having fun, Luis Guzman Humanitarian Award for Underrated Element. For me, this is easy. To uh, tie for the award, Harriet Sansom Harris and Moti Heim are heat check. Boy, yeah, the entire Heim family in general, and for me, I just I, I think they're so great to watch. Also, yeah, Mary Elizabeth Ellis. I'm like. Yeah, you're big on her tonight. I just think she had, I mean, she's insane on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, obviously. Everyone on this show is yes. psychotic on purpose. But I, there was like such a warmth between them in this movie. And maybe that's just because I'm like a mama's boy also. Uh, but like, I, sure. I do, I don't know. I just kind of wished for more from both families, basically. I was like, I was so interested in their home lives that I kind of wanted to see like the culmination of that. And this is like, you know, I guess the, the, the where we're coming from you and me with like liking PT, loving PTSD Pierce movies and like seeing this, like he'd go as far as to have a scene in Magnolia where a child would tell his father, you have to be nicer to me. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. they like build to these very specific confrontations and observational moments and stuff like that. And very explicit emotional, you know, bearings or whatever. Um, yeah. And this movie doesn't, I don't know. It's it's it, again. It's very yeah, very light, and that's fine. Can't can't keep harping on it. But yeah, I I think those two the two families are really really uh, great when you have them in the movie, and I wish there was more of them. But also Skylar Gazzano, great. Skylar Gazzano is great. Moti Heim though to me is like that guy should be in more movies. Oh actually. yeah yeah yeah. That also I would say <laughs> he reminded me of Luis Guzman in this movie. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He is kind of the. Luis Guzman stand Yeah, he, for sure. he's filling that same role, just kind of being like, what the fuck? <laughs> like... He's so funny. <laughs> yeah. He is so funny. The way that he looks at Skylar Gazondo when he finds out that he's an atheist yeah. is perfect. Yeah. Because he's clearly angry, but he's trying to keep it together. It's because it's like, oh, is this about to be my son-in-law? Yeah, you know? it's super subtle. It's so, it's so good. Yeah, I, I, it's, ah, they're great. But yeah, Danielle and Esty are also a super fun presence in this movie. They are. And I've seen Haim live. I saw them live at the Moda Center in Portland. And Did you have fun? Alana, I had so much fun. They are so fucking good live. Yeah, they're great. I mean, they're a fantastic group, but they're great live. Alana was the quietest one mm. of the group. Esty was the one with the most, like, spunk, I would say. Sure. Oh, yeah. Fucking waving that bass guitar and just being tall and towering over everybody. Yeah, she's so tall. Yeah, it's, crazy it's awesome. She is it's sick. Uh, now for your favorite part of the the awards, and actually probably the whole show, character most likely to say, "Yup." For me, it's Skylar Gazondo. I think his character would go, "Yup." Yeah, he would say, "Yup," wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, he would. Yes, he would. Uh, it's Tom Waits for me. 
The monster fuck. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, swag to Swag9000. I haven't given that to him to Alana. I'm giving it to George DiCaprio. Yike, yo. Uh, I'm going to give that to Rex Blau or Joel Walks, a.k.a. Tom Waits or Benny Safdie. That is 1,000% a Joel Walks line for sure. You're right. <laughs> yes, 100%. And character most likely to watch Family Guy, I think we can say at the same time, John Michael character. <laughs> I was going to say... Would love Family Guy. This movie would be fixed if every time it cuts to um, Gary's little brother watching TV... He's watching Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's that character would, but I don't care about that character at all. So I not giving it to him. He's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, he, he was. I take my brother to Tasty Threes at six thirty. He's in bed by seven thirty. No kid is in bed by seven thirty. Shut the yeah, fuck what up. What the fuck? What the fuck? Man. Uh, what is the most PTA P A R T? The most PTA part of the whole damn thing, Rocky. I think it's the waterbed scene. I think that is such a like. I don't know. It feels monumental when it gets to that point because then you it, it, it is such beautiful visual storytelling in like a very boyish PTA kind of way, you know, where it's like I, I love that sequence because it does feel this like, am I going to let my base instincts get the best of me here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, am I yeah. am I going to fully go ape mode, for lack of a better term, you know, and it, it shows such. In the oddest way, in the most prepubescent, like, boys jerking off kind of way, like, it does show restraint, and it's kind of beautiful, and I think it's really wonderful. And the music is perfectly uh, directing the scene, like he does so well in so many other sequences. Yeah, I'm going to give it to that, as well as just anytime any character's running, there is a sense yeah. of, like, that's pure what I love about him. I do, like, watching characters run. Yeah. In this film, even though my friend's dad, who I follow, fair, doesn't a like fair two star that they run, I do think there is something kind of intangibly beautiful about them running. Yeah, I uh, I agree, and I, I I love the kids running around giving the flyers out for the pinball palace. I think that's a really yes. a really great boogie nights ish kind of sequence, um, and. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's that stuff is really good. I, I get what you mean. The, the 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 radio DJ is very uh, very PTA ish, and also the sound mixing when people are on the phone. It's like I was sucked back into Punch Drunk Love a little bit. Like when you hear Lena on the phone oh, in the sure. lobby, and it's kind of like startling. The sound mixing is so good. I love how it sounds. It's so crunchy. That's a very that's a very specific but very good call. It's like a very good it's call. like a textual through line. Textural. And last but not least, textural. 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 Na, na, na. Uh, na, na, na. And I will always do Who's your MVP, bitch? The MVP of this movie? Well, you know I gotta give it to Johnny Greenwood, who took a vacation and had a good time. God. Jesus Christ, you are a madman tonight. <laughs> fucking I, little I pinker, do, pinker. Like. I do feel like I'm losing my mind a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it feels like that. It feels like that too on my end. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm opting out of giving a, this movie an MVP. No one deserves it. No, I'm kidding. 
you are a you are a bad man. You are a bad oh, man tonight. Bad man. No. Um. You go first. Oh, I'm sorry. We actually skipped. Where does this rank on the PTA ranking scale? We we skipped that. That's actually a great question because currently it's last. <laughs> Uh, it's. I will say this movie is not. Well, is this movie better than Hard Eight? Is this movie better than Hard Eight by Paul Thomas for Anderson? Me, for me, it actually. I like Hard Eight more than more than Licorice Pizza. I agree because there's at least a little more focus in that movie. <laughs> but I think that this is bottom tier PTA for me. But I can't give it a specific number. Yeah. Today. I, agree. I will have to give it to you guys next it's week. It's a very it's a very cloudy space that Junoon and Licorice Pizza embody. And I'll also say there's a lot of Junoon energy in this movie. It feels very similar in terms of like I'm picking up the camera and shooting what's interesting to me kind of thing going on here. Sure. It feels like a whole movies. He's literally shooting with his kids. Anyway. Uh yeah, I'd say this movie's He's shooting his he's shooting his he kids. He shot his fucking kids, bro. <laughs> fucking, it's PTA, he's canceled. Shot his he shot his kids. Sorry, I gotta stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess it's, uh, it's right below Hard Eight and uh, wherever that is. So yeah, that's that's where it is for me right now. Yeah, this is bottom tier PTA for me. Uh, but I'm gonna give my MVP to Bradley Cooper. It's just that's my favorite shit in the movie. Sure. So. Yeah, that feels pretty. Yeah, that feels pretty good. Him him running running jumping out of a truck as it's moving <laughs> and <laughs> going to a gas station shouting Chumash territory. Uh, <laughs> it's fucking awesome. It's, that is so it's really great. Awesome. And then grabbing a nozzle and putting a lighter directly in front of it and saying, It's my nozzle now, man. Like it's that's yeah, it's pretty special. That entire sequence is just really, really tops. I, I'd like to say that I think Alana is pretty great in this movie and i'd like to see her in more yeah. stuff but again i feel like her character deserves so much better as, as a script as far as a script goes uh agreed and in a preview if we had done this but after my second watch i probably would have given the mvp to alana heim sure. because i was so impressed with her upon these initial wa- like the initial watches of the film yeah. but upon rewatch i'm like she is doing a good job it's just yeah. there's not enough for me to be like that's the mvp Definitely. whereas bradley cooper comes in and just Kicks ass for 15 minutes straight, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with that. Thanks. John Michael Higgins, MVP. And we're done. <laughs> you got it in just before the wire, before I called it, before I called before it dead you, on arrival. You said, yeah, you declared this podcast dead. <laughs> before I said, what is it? 1.42 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Pacific Daylight Call Time. It. Excuse You're me. snapping your, your gloves off. You're wiping the sweat off your forehead. And saying, thank God I got drunk last night. <laughs> <laughs> that party last night was awfully crazy. <laughs> I wish we taped it. But thank you very much for listening to the Licorice Pizza episode. You get one more episode next week, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, but we're going to do some plugs. Rocky, what the hell do you got to tell people about your plugs? Hey, what the hell? Uh, you can. How do you like it? It's my plugs. You can watch. You can jive. Having the, Having the of fart of your life. Ooh, Just a joke. Uh, watch Everything Now show every Monday and Thursday at 8 p.m. Pacific and Saturday at 6 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash everything now show. We have a very special guest coming up this November. I'm going to say the date, November 21st. 
I believe that's the date. I can't say who it is just yet. Maybe I'll say during our finale episode next week. But you should come check it out if you're a fan of Comedy Bang Bang and some other uh, stuff like that. You'll definitely like Everything Now Show. Pretty audacious of me to say you'll definitely like it, but I do think it's up your alley. And I hope you do check that out. And also, I'm going to be part of the Natural Blondes live comedy show on November. Well, I'll tell you the date next time because it's on the 16th, I'm pretty sure, like 9 p.m. or something. Uh, And then I think that is I think that's it. I think that's it for me. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Ronky, R-O-N-C-K-Y. I'm on Twitter, though not that much, uh, at Rocky Pajarito, and I'm on Instagram at The Lawn Wrangler. Allah Bottle Rocket. Inshallah Bottle Rocket. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Great plugs as always, Rocky. <laughs> Great plugs. I'm crying. I don't feel so good. <laughs> I don't feel... Mr. Noah, I don't feel so good. <laughs> and then half your, half your, half your body disappears. <laughs> All right, that gets one more of these. You got a bathroom in this place? Thank you. So quiet, but thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. Shout out. Thank you to everyone who came out. Please shut the fuck up. Please shut You're the fuck like up. You're going to like this. You're going to like this. Okay, then say Shout it. out to Ian Campbell for listening to this podcast. We love you, Ian. Thank you. Thank you, Ian, for listening to this and podcast. And Mason. It was great to see you. Thank you, Mason, for listening to this podcast. I'm going to give you a big kiss when I see you next, probably next year. Thank you, everyone who came out to <laughs> the show uh, on Saturday the 22nd. And after I haven't done the show yet, but by the time this episode comes out, thank you for everyone who came to the Comedy Chateau show that I was on. Uh, thank you so much for that. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram for details about shows at Noah Marger on Twitter and at Noah underscore Marger on Instagram. Uh, and you can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram at my fave pod. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, next week, we're closing this bitch out once and for all. Chick, chick. Boom. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. We're going to close it out next week, Rock. Okay. It's the last, it's the last episode next week, okay? Okay. Okay.